love the funky music as well. They don't make music like this. It sounds like you're in a porno. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Yes, hello. I am Jay's Rollins, and as always, I'm joined by... Damn right. And what a huge episode we have for you today, episode 93. And it is WrestleMania 3. 30 years since this event took place, and we're going to watch it right now. You looking forward to this one? I am, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, an old classic. It's back from where it began. Good to see Vince McMahon looking young, and uh, yeah, let's get the show on the road. Yes, like I said, it's one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time, trendsetter back in the day. And like I said, we see Vince McMahon with one of the most iconic WrestleMania openings of all time. Welcome to WrestleMania! It is WrestleMania 3, March 29th, 1987. An amazing 93,173 people packed into the Pontiac Silverdome for WrestleMania 3. The largest indoor attendance for any event in history at that point in time. But I mean, we know now it wasn't 93,000, don't we? You know what I'm saying? Uh, we know it was a, a bit exaggerated, much like the uh, recent WrestleMania. 101,000. Yeah. You know, we won't go into who sneaked backstage and who paid for what tickets. We're going to concentrate on the positives, you know. And did you know, James, WrestleMania 3 was the only WrestleMania which did not have a tag team championship match. We are going to have a lot of WrestleMania 3 facts because it is such an historic event. WF owner Vincent Mann claims that he was about to announce welcome to WrestleMania 3 when he felt the spirit of his father, Vincent J. McMahon, who had died three years earlier. After McMahon welcomed the audience, he introduced Aretha Franklin, who opened the show's singing edition of Americanly Beautiful. And famously, Vince McMahon likes Americanly Beautiful more than he does the national anthem, so that's why it's different. And just judging if it holds up to, the th- to today's standard, we could argue if it's better or worse. I mean, the wrestling probably is not going to be as good, but the event in general, you know, this has a The big... showmanship, the storylines, you know, the... Just the way things unfold here at the event itself. Yeah, we, you know, like I say, it feels huge. You've got Rufa Franklin, and it is the most impressive-looking uh, event WWE has, has held ever up until this point. You know, Madison Square Garden. We've seen clips of WrestleMania 2 when it was in three different places. So this is, you know, and like we say, uh, the Pontiac Silverdome in Michigan. But, I mean, the card, we look at the card before we start, Dan. Uh, any matches there that kind of uh, catch your eye? There's one, but probably not for the right right reason, and that's the uh, Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver, and the Haiti Kid going up against King Kong Bundy, Lord Littlebrook, and Lickio. I'm, I'm not <laughs> looking forward to it. I'm just, it's probably one of the most intriguing matches on the card. I mean, Andre the Giant against Hulk Hogan, obviously, you know, 
couldn't get a more bigger matchup for the late <laughs> yeah. 80s i mean you know you, you can't get a bigger sack card you got hogan andre you've got the iron sheik ricky the dragon steamboat macho man george the animal stills making an appearance rowdy roddy piper you know you've got the heart foundation the british bulldogs you got harley race you know you, you got a load of big names a big load of hall of famers you know and sorry to forget but you also have the father of the best in the world, Cowboy Bob Orton. <laughs> yeah, and Bob Orton. From well, his sperm, Bob Orton. Randy yes. Orton was a wean. We know. The Art of Grasshopper. He was, he was. But we'll t- we go back to this quickly, Dan, and we're going to talk the match I'm looking forward to, seeing if the Savage Steamboat Classic lives up to that. I can't even say that. The Steamboat Savage Classic lives up to today's standards as well. Uh, and, of course, the main event is, is monumental. You know, the enormity of the main event. We're going to talk about the background to it as well. You know, Hogan versus the Giant. Where well, we're going to just sit back. We're going to have a joy the car. We're going to have a little fun with it as well, aren't we? We're not going to take it too seriously as we do. But this is our full WrestleMania we're going to watch in its entirety as well. Last year, we did your favourite, didn't we, Dan? WrestleMania 9. Yeah, and what, yeah, that's one of your favourite WrestleManias, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Literally. It's not a joke, anybody. <laughs> it's not that. It's... When I was younger, you know, I only had a few wrestling videos and that was one of a few on circulation and it was one I just watched and watched and watched. Um, and yeah, you know, it was it had a big impact on my life as a no, wrestling no, fan. No, no, I understand. And, and I'm not having a go, you know. And then uh, just quickly we see Bob Buker. I don't know who the woman is. I can't remember. Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura. So with Gorilla and Ventura commentary, brilliant, aren't they? I mean, I know yeah. Bobby Heenan's not there at the moment, but still, Jesse Ventura, very underrated to commentate, isn't he? Uh, yeah, you know, he was he, he was good at what he'd done, yeah. Anyway, so we go back to WrestleMania, and so we watch WrestleMania 17, which we class the greatest WrestleMania of all time. Definitely. Uh, and it probably won't be the first time we ever watch it on the podcast, either, to be fair, because we're probably going to go back again. And then we watched, of course, WrestleMania 30... Two last year, was WrestleMania 32? Yeah. Our first live WrestleMania. Of course, we've got WrestleMania 33 coming up. We have indeed, and everything that goes with it. Yes, and of course, with this as well, next week we're going to have Dan's WrestleMania. I mean, do you want to announce it now, or do you want to leave it until next week's show? No, I'm going to spring it on people as a surprise. Right, so we don't know what it is yet. But while it was WrestleMania 3, and we're going to start off with the action now, and the first match is, Dan? The first match is Can-Am Connection. Going against Cowboy Bob Orton and Magnificent Don Morocco. Well, we just talked about uh, Bob Orton. So, can I just say that um, part of Can-Am is the model Rick Martel. Yes, he is. The cunt that used to come out with a little perfume spray. Yes, the little the one with the puff. We've shit about him. In 1986, Martel returned to the WF with his tag team partner, Tom Zenk. They were billed as the Can-Am Connection. And they had been formed by Martel in the Montreal based in 1986. Zenk was the boyfriend of Martel's sister-in-law, and had been introduced to Martel by the AWA. Uh, Martel in the AWA by Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. The Can-Am connection with their youthful looks and high energy in ring performance quickly garnered the affections of the fans. And they look likely to win the WWF Tag Team title in the near future. That's the point where we get to now with those two. So we can skip Tom Zenk as well. Anybody that didn't know Tom Zenk was in the WWF 1986 to 1987. And then in WCW from 1989 to 1994. Stints in the AWA and all Tram Pro Wrestling as well. Yeah, so Bob Orton. I mean, you know Bob Orton more than most, don't you? Because like you say, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, he's Randy Orton's dad. Born in November 10th, 1950. Uh, better known by the ring ring name Cowboy Bob Orton. Uh, an American professional wrestler. He is a son of professional wrestler Bob Senior. The brother of professional wrestler Barry O. And the father of professional wrestler, none other than Randy Orton. He was a second generation wrestler himself. Him and his brother went on. He wrestled for the NWA, WWF. All Japan Pro Wrestling, WCW. Uh, he went on the independent circuit and he's still, you know, going about tours now. Exactly. You know, and like I say, we last saw him when he was with Randy Orton, when Randy Orton was trying to build himself up. We haven't seen Bob Orton in a little bit. So the last man we concentrate, as the match has started, Tom Zenk is in there. He's got the red boots on at the moment, working down ace Bob Orton. Uh, Don Morocco, quickly about him. I'm going to intercontinental title on two occasions and was crowned the inaugural King of the Ring in 1985, before pay-per-view, a long time before. And he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2004 and the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in 2014. And we know about Bob Orton being involved in the first WrestleMania as well, don't we, Dan? Uh, yeah, and his son's involved in the latest WrestleMania. <laughs> By 1987, the team of Rocco and Orton were clearly stepping down the card. While they were still able to defeat the Premier League teams, Orton and Rocco would usually find themselves on the losing end to upper card teams. So basically, this is what we got here. Both men kind of slowing down their careers now. Glorified jobbers. Well, not glorified well, jobbers. No, I mean, they're, they're on there. They're on the downward curve of their career. Yeah, Cameron Connection, like I say, waiting for the WF Tag Team title. So they're moving on up, you know. We're, we're going to see a lot of tag team action in this one. And Tom Zenk and Don Morocco in there. Oh, Bob Orton hits Zenk from behind. Can Rocco get the pin? We see Mr. Fuji at ringside as well. What do you think, Mr. Fuji, Dan? Banzai! So what are you thinking of this match so far? We see uh, Bob Orton and Don Morocco taking over, Dan. Your type <laughs> Yeah, I like the big brawlers. You know, and they certainly are both brawlers as well. You know, they still got a few tricks up their sleeves, even though they're, you know, older, more experienced guys. Yeah, there's nothing fancy about what they do, is it? Not it, indeed, no. Is it what they do, is there? And now it looks like Bob Orton to the second rope and off. Around you, Orton-esque. <laughs> Only a two count, though. Two. Tom Zenk, a young babe face, got a big future ahead of him. Getting worked on now. It's 1987. You, I wasn't even born yet, Dan. I was two years old. Fucking hell. Me and WrestleMania, born in the same year. Yeah. Oh, and look at that. Look at the view. Jesse Ventura and Gridham Monsoon looking down from the rafters. Both men down in the ring, Bob Orton and Tom Zenk. Can they get the tags to their partners? Oh, and both do. The model, well, sorry, Rick Martel is all fired up now. Of course. That's a good bump by the former kind of champion, Don Morocco. And now Bob Orton comes into a flurry of lefts and rights from Rick Martel. Oh and Zenk <laughs> is in, flips uh, Morocco into the ring. And now both men are getting worked over in the corner now by the bigger guys. Oh, double Irish rip, teaming up. Oh, oh, and a back body drop from Morocco to Orton, and then he gets a double drop kick, and then Zank drop kicks Bob Orton off the top, over the top rope as well. A high cross body wins the match. <laughs> Let's see a replay of that fantastic action. Irish rip steps over Rick. Well, that's the both men in the ring at the moment. Let's see if it's fine at the moment. No shenanigans. This is where it all goes wrong, isn't it? Irish rip reversed, back body drive to Orton. He gets a double drop kick. Orton gets thrown out of the ring. Morocco gets picked up. Right, this is the end. The end. And it looks like Irish whip, but gets reversed. Morocco steps over Rick Martel. He falls over him, doesn't he? Yeah. And then falls over him backwards whilst carrying a crossbody and gets a quick free count. There you go. Babyface win. And uh, 
And what do you think of that first match? Finish really weirdly, and would I say that Rick Martel could get over his puff gimmick? Well, I tell you what, like he's impressive in this one. This young babyface team look very similar, but yeah, like I say, one Canadian, one American, and managing to beat Bob Orton, so he's not had a great start to his wrestling. Can I just say this wouldn't happen if Randy was in place of his dad, even at his young age? Well, I think Morocco's not going to be happy with. The way Bob Orton handled that in the match, you know, back body drop as well. What's going on there between the two? Move on and, uh, yeah, we started WrestleMania 3. Oh, right, so we move on to the next match, which is going to be Dan. Billy Jack Haynes going against Hercules. Yeah, the full Nelson challenge. Uh, at this time, Hercules, of course, his finisher was the full Nelson. Billy Jack Haynes, the giant who faced uh, Andre Giant at WrestleMania, said, I can beat you all. Well, do you want to know how the feud started? Billy Jack Haynes and Hercules, their feud started when Bobby Heenan continuously taunted Haynes, telling him that Hercules was a real master of Haynes' finishing move, the Full Nelson, which came to a boiling point when Hercules attacked Haynes on an edition of Superstars of Wrestling, which led to their match at WrestleMania, and the battle was advertised as the Full Nelson Challenge. Well, that's the background to it. And let me tell you a little bit about Billy Jack Haynes, who started wrestling at the age of 28, Dan. you believe that? He started quite late then. He did indeed. He started in various promotions before getting his break with the WWF in 1986 and feuded with Randy Savage over the Intercontinental titles. And with Hercules over who was more stronger, more muscular, and who had a better version of the Full Nelson. They feud in WWF peaked with what was dubbed the Battle of the Full Nelsons. One story quit WWF off refusing to do a job in his hometown. Another account, the same as he actually wrestled that match with the finish he worked and then was fired afterwards. So Billy Jack didn't like jobbing. So no Billy Jack job. Gosh. No, but he's wearing a shiny outfit, isn't he? Yeah. Well, uh, his opponent, Hercules. Hercules, Hercules. Uh, in the... Early part of 88, during an episode of Superstars of Wrestling, he was swinging his chain in the direction of another muscular, powerful wrestler, <laughs> none other than the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior caught the chain and the two began a tug of war, which led to the steel chain snapping in the middle. <laughs> well, you talk about that chain, you see it wrapped around him, he's coming in with a little... Uh, what, what would you call those vehicles that they're coming on, Dan? Um... Mini rings. They are a ton of mini rings bringing out Bobby Heenan. See, managing part of the Heenan family and Hercules. And yeah, you talk about him also with Power and Glory, wasn't he? He was with Paul Roma as Power and Glory as well as a tag team. And what about his final appearances? Uh, at SummerSlam 91, Roma left the WWF. Hercules spent most of his time in the WWF jobbing again, losing to wrestlers such as the Big Boss Man and Sid Justice and Bret Hart. His last televised match was against Sid Justice at Madison Square Garden where he was squashed under a minute. A clearly frustrated and fed up Hercules took a power from powerbomb from Justice followed by a free count before no selling a move by simply getting up on her and heading to the locker room. Interesting fact about Hercules. 91 Rumble, he lasted nearly 40 minutes. 92 Rumble, less than one minute. So, you know, it's funny how a career goes. Do you think... Me. At this time, do you think... I mean, the first match, I'm going to let those guys off. The Cam-Man connection were in good shape. I mean, Bob Orton, Morocco, probably not. Are these guys on steroids, Dan? Well, funny you should say that, because... I think Hercules was in the trial, uh, the steroid trial, Night Night 2. So this is a full Nelson challenge, and I presume the first person to make their opponent submit with a full Nelson 
wins the match. Exactly. And we see the power of Billy Jack Haynes there with a full Nelson slam. I mean, does Billy Jack impress you? Has he going for the full Nelson already? Uh, both men are very big guys, you know. it's Who's your, who's your favourite in this one? Oh, with Bobby Kane in his corner, you've got to give it to Hercules, isn't yeah, you? Yeah, you do love Hercules, didn't you? Oh, my baby Hercules. Yeah, Hercules, Hercules. But then again, Billy Jack Haynes does look a fucking big lad. He is big, isn't he? And he's surprising. A bit like maybe Emma Johnson, if going forward in the future. One of those guys <laughs> maybe looked like he had a bit of a future. Kind of fucked it up for himself, really. He certainly did, yes. Oh! Got a big clothesline there by Hercules. Turns him inside out. What's he got in his pants? Oregon. O- Oregon. Oh, yeah. Well, the Oregon native, of course. <laughs> of course, 93,000 people not watching the action here. Can Hercules keep Billy Jack Haynes down? So is this one of the matches that you're uh, you're excited to see? I mean, it's it's who can do the best full Nelson challenge. Exactly. It is like a Chris Masters and the Master Lock. We haven't had a full Exactly. <laughs> who uses full Nelson now? It's a good hold, you know what I mean? And it hurts. I mean, Chris Masters could quite easily... He does fit this hold. And he did role, have his he? little, you know, who could break the master lock gimmick. Exactly, so yeah. it's a similar kind of challenge, you know. They must have revisited it. Do you think it's due a time back now? Do you think a big Braun Strowman maybe, the full Nelson challenge, you know? Well, Hercules has taken over on this match here. And it does look like there's a lot of people in attendance. I will say that. It looks oh, massive, hell, yeah. doesn't it? It's one of the most uh, impressive-looking WrestleManias. And the thing I like about it as well is even though it's got a roof on it, it's daylight. It feels it, it appears to be daytime now. Oh, but, everything's lit up. But as as the night goes on, you know, it turn, I, I love it. that goes from day to night. You know, what I mean, that kind of event. It feels like you've been there all day as well. I, I like to feel involved. One thing missing from this, uh, which we didn't have time for, WrestleMania three VHS. I don't know on the DVD version, but you get like a fifteen minutes beforehand or build up with uh, Lord Alfred Hayes going around, going, and now we're here at the Silverdome. <laughs> Sounds like Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> yeah. one of his... And now I see Gorilla Monsoon. Anyway, back to this exciting match: Hercules trying to take down Billy Jack Haynes. You got work on the lower back, I suppose, for the full Nelson. I mean, I mean, what's the the best way to beat your man down, Dan. Yeah, you know, just work on the back and just, you know, just try and get him to draw out all their energy and take advantage of it and just wear them down. I mean, one thing I want to say now, and I don't want to be disrespectful for anybody listening, but uh, we get a lot of people saying to us, oh, watch more Attitude Eras. And the Attitude Era stuff is, we're doing more time-related things, and I think it is good to go back and watch stuff from the 80s. And uh, uh, other parts of wrestling history as opposed to just the Attitude Era. Do you know what I mean? They're, but, yeah, it's good to go back to the 80s. Even though the rest of them might not be great, the storylines still match up in certain matches here. But the question in this match... Who can get the full Nelson applied? Best? Who can? Who's who's in better shape between the two? Who's who's winning the uh, the physique challenge? Well, you know, I've got to give it to Billy Jack Hayes, but Hercules, he's hes a big fella. Yeah, well, oh, is he looking for it now, is he? But he's got the full Nelson. Oh, first one. Has he got it in proper? He needs he... the fingers locked. He hasn't got the fingers locked at the back of the head. I always lock the fingers on the back of the you head, Dan. You've got, got to. Can he get it in? He looks a bit like um, Dr. Death Steve Williams as well. Well, whoever he looks like, he's powering out. <laughs> yeah, that... But he is down on one knee, and he's certainly, you know, it takes a lot of energy out of you, that it, move. It does, it does. I mean, even what Hercules exerting now, Heenan's saying, don't blow yourself up too soon. He hasn't got soon. the fingers like that. He's trying, struggling to. But Haynes, you know, he's nearly out. One, two. Oh, 
Oh, nearly a three and senior referee Earl Hebner calling it. Is that Earl or Dave? I always get confused. That's Earl. Is that Earl? Yeah, he's definitely got an Earl look about himself. Are you sure? Look at the t-shirt underneath his shirt. Let's see if he's stolen a couple and then we know then, don't it? Yeah. Billy Jack Haynes fighting out of that full Nelson. Hercules not leaving him alone though, is he? Huge clothesline there as well. No, he's not, James. I'm just watching the action. I'm, I'm absorbed. These two big behemoths <laughs> colliding. And Which he... man has the best full Nelson, James? Well, I don't know, but the huge clothesline there. I'm sorry, I keep getting distracted by Bobby Heenan's sparkly bedazzled jacket. And I want to know how many times Bobby Heenan makes an appearance tonight. Because oh. I'm sure as hell this ain't the first. Right, the Heenan count one. That's a good one. one. Oh, Haynes has knocked Hercules down now. He's going to put him away for good. Oh, big Irish whip and a kick to the midsection at Backhander followed up by a lovely clothesline and Billy Jack Haynes, he's in full control now. Oh, Billy Jack Haynes and he don't care. Hits a leg drop. Oh, not as atomic as Hogan's, but it's good. It's still, it's Oregon good. And he's trying to go for the pin. Now he's on the second rope now. Oh, big fist from the second rope. And now he's going to go for it. Jack. He's got Hercules worn down. Oh, can he get it locked in? He's got the hands locked in behind the head. That is a full Nelson, not to be confused by a half Nelson. Has he got the fingers locked? Not yet. No. Oh, he's managed to get to the ropes. And Hercules pulling both himself and Jack Haynes through. Well, both men on the outside now, like you're saying. Oh, now he's got it in. But he's on the outside, James. He can't He can't get accredited for that on the outside, mate. Yeah, but he's got him in. He's got it in. But it doesn't matter. It's not a full Nelson's count anywhere. Oh, and Bobby the Brain Heenan getting involved. That's got to be a disqualification. Well, Dave O'Hebner didn't see it. Bobby the Brain didn't use his noggin. Well, he, he saved his man then. Now he's got to run away from Billy Jack. Get the ring, Heenan. That's the safest place at the moment. Being hunted down by this big fella. Luring round to your man, Hercules. Well, has Hercules recovered yet from that vicious assault? Oh, my word. And Howard Finkel says it's a no contest between the two. Hercules in with a chain wrap round his fist. Oh! oh. And Haynes gets knocked the fuck out, biatch. Well, off the chain there by Hercules. Maybe taking it too far on Billy Jack. Heenan saying, this is what you get when you f- mess with me. No, oh, and Hercules with a chain to the face. Oh, come on, man. Leave it out now. Billy yeah. Jack, and now he's hit him again. Is that blood I see? Can I just say, three chain shots to the head. It may have split him open, but the man's stumbling about. One Superman punch, and that puts the man down. Oh, my word. Look at that, though. And he is wearing a crimson mask for sure. He is busted wide open. The claret is pouring out of Billy Jack and maybe he'll think twice before he tries to fight a god in Hercules. Well, he wasn't in a chain match, James. He was in a full Nelson match. And the full Nelson match went to a double count out. No man won and no man lost. But who's got him in the full Nelson now? Hercules has got Billy Jack. It's not in a match though, James. Well, it doesn't matter. He's put down the full Nelson. Yeah, I'll put care. anyone down with a full Nelson if I fucking smash him in the face. Let me hit you in the face three times with a chain and not put you down with a full Nelson. Bobby Heenan seems happy. His man got the uh, might not have got the win in the match, but got the uh, the win in the battle between these two. He may have not won the battle, James, but I think he's won the war. Oh, you're right. Look at the state of Billy Jack. Uh, but we move on and we talk about big matches. Dan, one of your big matches, one of the most ones you're excited for coming up. As I again, you know, I'm excited for it. It's it, Dan, it intrigues me. I it's, don't want you to make any right. jokes about them. Don't be smallest. No, they're smallest. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this match now. Be as serious as we possibly can. 
Uh, Hillbilly Jim, Little Beaver and a Haiti Kid versus King Kong Bundy, Lord of Little Brook and Little Tokyo. So it's two big fellas team. They've got two little fellas. As we see now, King Kong Bundy released two. Uh, let's run through them. You see, they're not exactly uh, PC in this era, is it? It's no. not the PC era. No, no, it's not. But apparently, uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, well, Hillbilly Jim, we know enough about Hillbilly Jim. We don't really need to talk about him, do we? You know, well, Only that he was trained by Bob Orton. Yeah, I mean, Bob Orton trained him. Uh, other things about him, of course, part of the uh, WWF for a very long time with the Godwins later on in the 90s as well. Uh, never really made it past the mid-card, did he, Dan? But still quite successful. Right, let's talk about Haiti Kid. Uh, he started his career in WF as a babyface in 71, teen- teaming up with Sonny Boy Hayes, Joey Russell, Little Beaver and Sky Lolo. Anyway, that's an interesting name. But over the years, <laughs> he's fought for many promotions throughout North America. They included Stampede, AWA, NWA, CW from Florida, or Championship Wrestling from Portland Wrestling and MACW. Years after wrestling, rumours said that the Haiti Kid died on May the 4th, 2001 at the age of 46 but it was considered false, and he was seen in February 2009 living homeless in Brooklyn. Yeah. Interesting about that. Uh, we see... Say, so, <laughs> <laughs> that little man's well excited yeah. to be there. I, as Haiti kid, that's, his dreams have come true here tonight, WrestleMania 3. I, I'm going to pause, because the match is so short. Uh, so <laughs> 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 the other guy with Hillbilly Jim... And that is Little Beaver. And, of course, Little Beaver was a Canadian who uh, best known for his ring name. Uh, his most famous appearance was this match, WrestleMania 3. Uh, but don't forget, he wrestled since 1950 at the age of 15. And, uh, he, he was born in 1935. Yeah, I know. So he lived to, he, you know, he lived to the age of 60. 60. Yeah, exactly, 1995. He always wanted a child because he wanted someone to look up to. Uh, <laughs> his last ring appearance. Was that WrestleMania 3? So we'll move on to these. <laughs> and uh, we'll go King Kong Bundy. Tell us a little bit about King Kong even though we know King Kong Bundy. Go on. He was in a tag team partner with Big John Studd. He often joined Andre the Giant as the Giant Machine. The most interesting thing, you talk about Hercules record 40 minutes in the Rumble. That midget lasted till 70. A minute, a minute, a minute. We talk about Hercules record in the Rumble, Dan. Don't forget about King Kong Bundy. WrestleMania 3, he's teaming up with two small guys against Hillbilly as two small guys. WrestleMania 2 is in the main event for the WF title against Hogan. And it's still a cage match. So what about that for a year? You know what I mean? It's like, uh, and then Bundy would later go on to face Young Taker at WrestleMania 11 as well. But enough about Bundy. We'll go on to one of his ones. Uh, next, next. Little Tokyo. His... Yeah, you're, you're, right, you have Little Tokyo. Go on. Hang on, let's just see what these guys say for it before we go to Little Tokyo. Same size as me, Gene Oakland. <laughs> oh, Billy Jim picks them up as both his little kids. There we go. Don't go messing with a country boy. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about Little Tokyo before we get this match started. Little Tokyo, he was 70 when he died in 2011. He wrestled, obviously, in Japan Pro res- Professional Midget Wrestling. He's actually called a midget wrestler. He wrestled in AWA, NWA, WWF. Um, yeah, and this, again, is... is most notable high-profile match he could get to. This is the top rung of his ladder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in NWO, he held the World Midgets Championship on three different occasions. Yeah, three-time MA champion. Uh, no, uh, NWA, WMC. Uh, but like you say, Dan, times have changed. You know, I'm not going to call them... Uh, Shut up! What? Lord Littlebrook last in 287. I'm doing right lines of Lord Littlebrook. He was quite tall for a midget, I thought, before. <laughs> he looked down on other midgets. Um... 
No. He was he was a dwarf among midgets. Can you reach out? Yes, I can. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, we talk about his experience. And, and I don't use the M word, you see. They're like, I, I call them little people because that's what they are, you know. But we go on to Lord Littlebrook. English, of course. Like you say, the grand old age of 87. So he, he did right. He only recently died. I know. 1929. <laughs> Little fucker. I know. 2016, last year, Lord Littlebrook, known as, he, he, like we say, British, the NWA World Championship he won, and of course part of WrestleMania 3 as well. He once tried to commit suicide by jumping off a curb. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's credited with being one of the first wrestlers to use area assaults on his opponents, paving the way for high-wire acts such as Jimmy, the Snooker, Jimmy Snooker, the Rockers, which included Shawn Michaels and Coco beware so this is in effect saying that Shawn michaels had his way paved by a short man who lived to 87 exactly so fair play to lord littlebrook i'll take it it's going to be a brawl for all oh no it's going to be a tagging no, no it's, it's going to be a tag i mean you can't have big man versus little man can you <laughs> that would be so funny <laughs> what? No. Oh, oh where is it and we start off with a little tokyo oh all four midgets are in fuck me they're stretching each other Go on, boys. So we've got little little Beaver, Haiti kid, Lord Littlebrook, and Little Tokyo. Who's... Oh, and a couple of body splashes. Oh my word! Look at this. Little Beaver and the Haiti kid are stretching out their opponents, Lord Littlebrook and Little Tokyo. The Haiti kid with a atomic drop on. Well, Little Beaver's not wearing any uh, shoes, is he? But Tokyo kids get taken out there. Haiti kid tags out, and like we say, we have got Little Beaver in there with Little Tokyo. Beaver takes a shot to the midsection. I mean, Anyone else, g- that would be a low blow. That, well, are they going to do high-risk manoeuvre? Are they going to jump off the first rope? <laughs> <laughs> I've been saving all these. I've got loads of midget jokes. Oh, and Little Tokyo tags in Lord Littlebrook. It is Lord Littlebrook in there. Now this is uh, power versus power. The two big men of their group. Well, Bob Buker's joined the commentary team to uh, have a laugh at small people. Like we say, King Kong Bundy was in the main event of WrestleMania 2, and Bundy tags in. Oh, but little Toko tags in Bundy. Are they going to put Hillbilly Jim in? or Oh, no, the Haiti kid's going to stand toe-to-toe with little Beaver by his side. Yeah, little Beaver saying, come on, bring him. Oh, my word, big drop kick to Bundy. Immediately tags in <laughs> Hillbilly Jim when he doesn't move an inch. Uh, this is brilliant. I'm really enjoying And now the two big fellas. <laughs> Bundy hammering away at the back of Hillbilly Jim. Oh, my word. Tagging the Haiti kid, man. He's well fired up. Oh, Bundy missed with a clothesline. Hillbilly Jim doesn't. Bundy's down. Big elbow. That's it. Going to try and cover him. With a midget pile. Oh. But Bundy powerfully pushes Hillbilly Jim and the two little fellas off. Well, my God. I think uh, Little Beaver ended up in row F there with that push off by Bundy. That referee's old as fuck, isn't he? <laughs> I was thinking he got re- he had real trouble getting down then. <laughs> oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. One. What's next? Um, one. But Bundy has got Hillbilly oh. in the sleeper. <laughs> What's he doing in the ring? What is Little Beaver doing? He wants him some of Bundy. Oh, helping out his partner. Oh, my God. He's beating him with his shoe. <laughs> <laughs> A little man's taken off his shoe and started beating Bundy with it. A hillbilly Jim hit with a short clothesline. <laughs> feels wow. like an experience, you know. I, mean, I don't feel like I'm watching a show. Feels like I've got a day out at wrestling. <laughs> like, you know? Feels like I'm there. You know, popcorn, some crisps. Yeah, that's a whole evening, isn't it? Oh, now Bundy's got hillbilly. Oh, big splash. Well, you can't recover from that. A man of Bundy's size. 
And now he's going to teach Hillbilly Jim a thing or two. Little Beaver coming in again and distracting King Kong Bundy. Oh my God, Bundy, he's got Little Beaver up. And down. Oh, that was a body slam enough. Oh, don't, don't, don't. No! Dropping the big elbow on the Little Beaver. No. No, that's sickening. One, two. (laughs) Kick out. He's up. Bundy squashes... Little Beaver, the referee's calling for the bell, and that's a step too far. <laughs> and I think he's squashed the poor man. Oh, my word. And the referee has called for the bell, and a po- even his tag team partners are checking on their opponents, this, making sure they're all this right. This is a disgrace. King Kong Bundy is going to be sued here by Little Beaver. He's going to take it to a small claims court. It's going to be over and done with. Do you know that? Well, I hope Little Beaver makes a speedy recovery, and he eventually stands up. King Kong Bundy. Unfortunately, Little Beaver died. Hang on, what did you think? Oh my God, Little Beaver is dead. Hillbilly Jim carrying him. What did you think of that match, Dan? It's definitely not politically correct. Um, yeah, it, it was just a bit of a stocking filler, but you know, a bit of a, a freak show for the fans. You know, it is the late eighties. They're a bit of a yeah variety, more liberal class. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, we see Haiti kid with shoe off still. Uh, not very happy there. But interestingly enough, Dan, after being pestered by Beaver, which included Beaver elbowing Bundy in the stomach, delivering a drop kick, and later slapping Bundy in the face with his moccasin, which Bundy, Bundy later admitted stung like a son of a bitch. Bundy finally caught him in a body slam, little Beaver, and then did him a big elbow, causing the disqualification we've just seen. Later after Beaver's death, in a 1998 interview, Bundy said he hoped that he was not responsible for Beaver's death. Saying he'd not, he would not want that on his conscience. Though the cause of Beaver's death in December '95 was officially from the effects of emphysema. So, so Bundy killed a midget, basically yes. from that match, and that's why we don't have midgets in wrestling anymore uh, because of this effect. And we'd like to send our sincerest condolences to uh, Little Beaver. All oh, all dead now, aren't they? And we just see Macho Man Randy Savage. Getting interviewed, well, Miss Elizabeth's getting interviewed. Match of Man Man Savage interrupted it. He said, Miss Elizabeth, I can't do the impression. <laughs> Miss Elizabeth, go now backstage and walk down that aisle. So Macho Man is ordering Miss Elizabeth about. But the next match is King Harley Race with Bobby Heening and the Fabulous Mooner versus Junkyard Dog. Dan, what about the feud? Well, it was a bit of a heated feud leading up to this event between the King Harley Race and the JYD. When the WWF Wrestling Classic became the King of the Ring tournament, Harley Race went on to win the tournament and began referring to himself as the King Harley Race. And coming to the ring in a royal crown and cape, to the ceremonial accompaniment of the classical piece The Great Gates of Kiev by Modest Mussorgsky, after each of his victories, Race forced his defeat in his uh, uh, forced his defeated opponent to bow and kneel before him. Bobby Heenan forced the defeated opponent to bow and kneel by grabbing his hair. JYD protested Race's self-proclaimed monarchy in the WWF and stated there would be there would never be a complete ruler in the WWF, which led to a match on Saturday night's main event in which the King and his manager both tried to make JYD bow for them. This set the stage for the WrestleMania match, which included the stipulation that the loser had to bow to the winner. Yes, and these two future Hall of Famers we see Race's comments with Moolah and Heenan. 
but I mean, we talk about Harley, Harley Race and Junk Your Dog. I'll just run through Harley Race quickly. Uh, I mean, during his career as a wrestler, he worked for all the major wrestling promotions, including the NWA, AWA, WWF, and the WCW. He held the NWA World Heavyweight title seven times. So before Flair did it, Harley Race did it. Of course, he dropped the title to Ric Flair. And he was the first United States Heavyweight Champion as well. He's one of six men inducted into each of the WWE Hall of Fame, the NWA Hall of Fame, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame as well. Uh, he joined the WWF after a bit of a fallout in the NWA. Like I say, he's one of the top guys. He was in WWF from 1986 to 1989 uh, and was managed by Bobby Heenan. Bleach's hair became kind of the king gimmick. This was probably his most notable feud uh, in the WWF at the time, and he left the WWF in early 1989, went back over to WCW and managed Vader to a WCW World Heavyweight title as well. So Hardy Race, one of those guys, basically did it all in the business, Dan, you know? Yeah. What about the junkyard dog then? As you see him getting interviewed by uh, Mean Gene Oakes, and tell me a little bit about him. Um, well, he's best known for his work in the Mid South Wrestling and WWF as the Junkyard Dog or JYD for short. A nickname Ritter received while working in the Wrecking Yard, funnily enough, being a junkyard. But um, he'd always enter the ring with his trademark collar and chain uh, to the music of Queens. Another one bites the dust. He regularly sold out the Louisa Superdome and other major venues. Major venues. And he became the first black wrestler to be made the undisputed top star of his promotion. So it was a leap forward in a, you know, a time when black wrestlers couldn't get over as well as other wrestlers. You know, not because of their talent, but just because of the colour of their skin. We saw it with the Black History Month we looked at last month, didn't we? And Teddy Long and uh, Tony Atlas saying the problems growing up. And our Dog, like I said, was the first guy who Bill Watts kind of put his faith in as the number one guy, you know? And like I say, with Giant uh, Dog come over to the WF as well, didn't he? So he's involved here. Who are you going for? I'm going to go for the JYD. Yeah? He's going to hit him with the thump. <laughs> well, you don't become seven-time NWA champion. Bobby Heenan at ringside as well, running away from Junkyard Dog. He's chasing him. Runs right into the uh, the arms of Harley Race, though. And Harley Race hasn't got that kind of look of a, a proper wrestler, has he? But this is what he was, you know? He was the man. Very 80s feel to it. Junkyard Dog got the crowds on his side. Harley Race with his own head, but no. Well, Harley Race, if you look at him now, at the Triple H was, one that was influenced by Harley Race probably more than many people. You know, the Harley Race knee, the kind of way he took him, he said the world title was the most important thing to him. That's what Harley Race used to do. And of course, also, we remember Triple H had those side, but the, the beard as well, the side locks, yeah. trying to look like Harley Race, basically, you know. And of course, Junkyard Dog's influenced so many black wrestlers who come after him as well. I mean, you see Junkyard Dog there just with simple headbutt and Harley Race. Well, you've seen, like, uh, I've shown you videos of when Triple H was mucking about. Him and HBK used to do it quite a bit, you know, during wrestling wrestling matches at house shows. You know, a little special treat for the fans and that. They'd always act up and, you know, it was quite reminiscent of what the King Harley Race is doing now. Yeah, exactly. It's like you say, bouncing out the top rope and then hitting his head off the apron on his way down. And JYD's got back in the ring now as well. So Harley Race, the king would have to bow down to the lowly junkyard dog. Bow down to bow the king down, of kings. Yeah. The king, Harley Race of kings. Because WF wouldn't have a King of the Ring tournament yet, but Harley Race, was, he thought he was the king. Fair play to him. He go, look, big headbutt. Oh, Ooh, my God. Harley Race headbutt. And JYD <laughs> moves out of the way. JYD. The thing with junkyard dog as well, using the headbutt in his own. So if you don't really want to headbutt him, 
And you talk about Triple H and Shawn Michaels tricks there. Irish ripping them out over the top. Yeah, he goes straight over the top. You know, just what's that enhancing the power of the wrestler that done the move to you, I suppose. Oh, yeah. And Bobby Heenan's trying to throw his man back in, but he's not having the best success. Not having any success. JYD crawling around on all fours, delivering the headbutt. See the charisma and that, you know, this match has brought into it. And, you know, the wrestling quality is hardly something to be sniffed at as well. Well, exactly. This is old school style and Heenan's distraction there. <laughs> Just like that, belly to belly suplex. Harley Race gets the victory. Okay, then maybe. Well, I mean, I think they're quite short matches when you can run a bit 12 in on the card. But Harley Race, just like that, distraction. I mean, Bobby Heenan, best manager of his generation, you know, and to have him at ringside is always going to help you. And now JYD's going to have to bow down to the king. Well, you see Harley sitting on the chair now, basically on his throne. He curtsied. There you go, he's bowed. There you go, that's acceptable. Oh, he wants the crown moon and moves it. Oh, goes for the chair and hits the king over the back of the head with it. Takes his cloak. Oh, he's just a cheap attack on the king. I say vicious chair shots. You can't dress up like a king junkyard. Well, Harley Race might have got a victory, but do you think JYD got the ball victory? So, Hogan backstage, a little bit intense. That was maybe? a good fucking promo, though, it, to be fair. Yeah, it was. For I... an intense fucker, that was a brilliant promo. Yeah. And for back then as well, it... It wouldn't be out of place in this time. No, I mean, Hogan was brilliant on the mic. and We've seen it before. And, and building up towards this match. And like he says, how difficult is it to beat a seven foot four, 550-pound giant? Easy work, isn't it? But we move on to our next match. And it is the, the Dream Team. Brutus, the Beefcake, and Greg the Hammer Valentine with Luscious Johnny Valiant and Dino Bravo versus Rouge. the Rougeau Brothers. Yeah, that'd be an interesting match. We see Brutus and Dino Bravo backstage being interviewed. Let's just run through them quickly. So Greg to Ham Valentine teaming up. There's Greg. Why is Greg in the background for Dino Bravo? <laughs> Valentine. Uh, he's the son of wrestler Johnny Valentine. Yeah, but you didn't know it, did you? And he's held up more than 40 championships, including the NWA US Heavyweight title, Intercontinental Championship, tag team titles. Brutus Beefcake, there is no build-up for him because we basically know what he is. He's Hogan's best mate, isn't he, you know? Yes. Maybe a little bit before, you know, he became such a power of Hulkamane. This is really Brutus Beefcake early on, isn't it? So there's no, like, kind of... Uh... The Dream Team... Managers... Oh, this is the Dream Team, yeah, sorry. Managers Jolly Valiant and Jimmy Hart basically put Greg Valentine and Brutus the Bar Beefcake together in May 1985. Uh, early on, Beefcake teamed with Valentine to fight off Tito Santana and the JYD, both highly ranked contenders for Valentine's Intercontinental title. So we move on to the Rougeau brothers, and Jack and Raymond began teaming in the late 1970s in the famous Montreal-based wrestling promotions. Uh, they were signed to the WWF in February 1986, debuting as clean-cut babyfaces. As we're seeing here, you can't get more clean or cut than these two, can you, at the moment? And he actually won the tag team titles on August 10th, 1987, in a house show. The decision was later reversed, and the title was never recognised by WWF, so they came close. And uh, nearly after a year, the Rougeau made a gradual heel turn, and they called themselves the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers as it went along. And, of course, more famous now... Jack Rougeau came back and was the Mountie. Uh, and there's a really interesting backstage story. But they had a real-life altercation with Tom Billington, a.k.a. the Dynamite Kid, backstage in 1988. Uh, Kurt Henning had framed the Bulldogs in a prank at the Rougeau's expense, expense, where the Dynamite Kid repeatedly slapped and punched Jack in the face while Jack had his back turned. Tensions between Dynamite and Rougeau's mounted until night 
Jack punched him in the mouth with a roll of quarters in his hand, causing Dynamite to lose four teeth. What happened after the attack, Dan? After the attack, Billington harboured a grudge against the Rougeos, and it was feared that he might try to get his revenge after their 10-team, 20-man elimination match at the Survivor Series 1988 pay-per-view, which was his final match in the WWF. The match had the Rougeos, Demolition, Brainbusters, the Bolsheviks and the Los Constadores versus the British Bulldogs, the Rockers, the Hart Foundation, the Young Stallions and the Powers of Pain. But uh, for fear of the Dynamite Kid taking his revenge, the match was booked so the Rougeos were the first team eliminated with Bret Hart pinning Raymond in the bounce opening minutes with a small package. The Bulldogs were kept in the match until they were one of the four remaining. By the time the Bulldogs had been eliminated and made their way out back to the locker room, the Rougeos had already been rushed out the building in the event during the actual match. Dynamite works with the Rougeau brothers without incident. Yeah, we talk about Rougeau's Raymond, who suffered from chronic back pain for years, retired in 1990. And like we say, Jack became the Mountie. And in this match, Greg Lahan and Valentine has kept Ray... Uh, yeah, Raymond. Raymond's got the moustache. He's kept Ray down. Oh, Ray's just got a hot tag in after Jack's been worked on by Greg Lahammer and Brutus. <coughs> Now can old Raymond get it done? Come on. Oh, my oh, word. Brutus up to try and help out his partner, Greg, but ends up inadvertently double-axe hand in smash, smashing Greg the Hammer on his back. And then we're going to see a double-team move by the Rougeau brothers. They've got Hammer <laughs> perched, and he's just gone for a what, like a seated <laughs> butt drop. Exactly, yeah. Sent on light. Dino Bravo on the second rope. Oh, assisting his tag team. Oh, he puts Greg on top of Jack. Referee can't see it. Not like this, One, ref. two, three. Oh, and like that, ref. There you go. Another quick match. But, my God, Brute is not helping his partner out there. Not at all, no. You know, he hindered him. But, in the end, he took Dino Bravo to aid and assist them in the victory. Brutus, has he been by? Has Brutus, Brutus been left behind? Dino say, look, you fucked it up. We're going now. You see Jolly Valentine, the manager there, of course, uh, and we we know after defeating the Rougeau brothers here, Greg Valentine turned in his part of Brutus Beefcake to form an alliance with Dino Bravo. So uh, there we go. It was just opening the door to that a crack, and you know, the result in ended up in the tag team falling apart. So next up, we've got Rowdy Roddy Piper versus a adorable Adrian Adonis with Jimmy Hart, and it's a retirement match. This is a. Uh, one of Piper's, this is his last wrestling match, Dan, in March of 1987. We'll get to the feud and everything out in a minute, but we're on WrestleMania 3 Facts here. Uh, after working a star-studded eight-man elimination match in Los Angeles, 13 days for WrestleMania 3, Piper cleaned up in the showers of the sports arena's locker room. He was chatting with Harley Race when Piper slipped on a puddle of water, and per his recollection, his fingers went into an empty light bulb socket in his vicinity. The supercharged penalty sent Piper flying backwards several feet and left him with a nauseous and confused state for some time after. Piper managed to work with little to no ill effects, though he would later sue the LA Sports Arena for unsafe conditions. Piper looked to be done with the business following a planned retirement after WrestleMania, but he would return to wrestling in 1989. He did so after legally settling with the Sports Arena that February. Yeah, don't worry. Win or lose in this match, Piper said he's going to retire anyway. So it didn't matter if he won or lost. And of course, we knew what Roddy Piper did. He'd carry on wrestling for another fucking 12 years anyway. So, But we go back to this feud. And the feud between Adrian Adonis and Roddy Piper began 
When following a leave of her absence from the WF in mid-1986, Piper returned to find his Piper's Pit segment replaced by the Flower Shop, a segment hosted by the then effeminate wrestler Adrian Adonis. Piper, who returned as a crashing Adonis's new show and, ins- uh, and trading insult, leading to a showdown between the two segments that ended with Piper being assaulted and humiliated by Adonis. Piper's former bodyguard, Bob Orton, and Don Morocco. Yeah, so Bob Orton was meant to be Piper's friends, and then he ends up attacking Roddy Piper, you know, so a bit of a uh, humiliation there. The trio left Piper with his face covered in red lipstick, lying in the middle of the remnants of the destroyed Piper's pit set. In response, Piper stormed the set of Adonis' show and destroyed it with a baseball bat. This led to their hair versus hair match at WrestleMania 3, which was billed as Piper's retirement match from wrestling before becoming a full-time actor. Exactly, and Piper was no rock when it came to acting. Piper's walking down. Yes, well, Piper is intense. You know, he's not intense, he's in the arena. No, exactly, yeah, he, he doesn't need uh, doesn't need the help of the little buggy to carry him down. The hot rod is angry, and we've seen what he can be like. Well, we know his history. Exactly, and if he's not got any gum, you best be worried. Exactly. So we'll talk a little bit as we see Piper come out here. Do you know much about Adrian Adonis, Dan? Um, He was adorable. He was adorable, but he started off his career with Team Jesse Body Ventura. And what's really interesting, he started off as quite a tough guy character, uh, was known as that. And then as soon as he went to the WWF, kind of given this Adrian Adonis gimmick. Now, we've seen it in years... Uh, years after, Kid Argus was a bit like this. Rico, you remember Rico with three minute warning, what he became. And even to an extent, maybe Fandango, you could argue. Um, just a little bit out there, and we see with the weight, WF, Vince Man didn't really think he was much of a wrestler. They kind of gave this silly gimmick, you know, with the pink tights and stuff. But Roddy Piper, I think, is taking this match seriously, Dan. <laughs> he is indeed, and he's brought a strap into the match, and he's whipping Adrian Adonis with it, and he's now choking out Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. But Adonis now has got the belt and he's whipping Piper. Whipping him. He is back and chest first. Adrian trying to Irish whip Piper. Oh! And Adonis <laughs> turning upside down out of Shawn Michaels. You know, this Shawn Michaels was probably watching this and admiring what they do, you know. And even a gimmick character such as Adrian Adonis influenced one of the greatest performers of all time. Exactly. And now Adonis grabbed hold of Jimmy Hart, but Piper pulled them both in. Oh, and Piper delivers a meeting of the minds between Jimmy Hart and Adonis. Double noggin knocker. <laughs> and just throws Hart into Adonis, sending them both tumbling over the top rope. And Piper's pissed off. Oh, Piper is ready for WrestleMania. You can see how angry he is as 93,000 fans cheer the man on. And it is a her versus her match. It is. And you can see Adonis, he's already sporting a black eye. It is, and Piper working a combination. Of course, former... Gold. And Jimmy Hart's part of this match as well. It's like a one-on tag, and Jimmy Hart getting thrown into Adonis. I think Jimmy Hart has had enough now. Oh, wait a minute. No, Piper's going crazy. And he's still managing to get to his feet. And he trips Piper while the referee's back was turned. This is it. definitely is a two-on-one match. Oh, that is not fair. Come on, referee, sort it it's out. It's not fair in a hair versus hair. And now Piper's... In a bit of trouble against Adrian. Oh, my God, just ripping at the uh, midsection. A rake to the chest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and a big tree trunk-like fucking clothesline exactly. there from Adonis. JBL was watching as a young child, saw this, and said, that's what I want to be. Has Jimmy Hart got um, the model Rick Martel's puffer? 
might have it on. It might be one of like if you know the um, the puffer full of flowers on the set of Adrian's uh, talk show, the flower shop. Piper sent the outside, destroying the ring apron there. Bouncing Piper's head off the table. Oh, but as he bounced his head off the table, Jimmy Hart managing to attack Piper from behind. Adrian distracting the referee. Piper, though, defiant. Not going to be put down by these two men. He don't want to lose his hair. He doesn't want to lose, yeah, last match before he retires, you know. And it would be, oh, Adrian, Adonis, beat you. I don't think Piper wants that on his CV. Big right hands from Adonis, though, to the forehead of Piper. But Piper's just egging him on. He's like, come on. Is that what you got? Exactly, is that what you got? Jimmy Hart up again. Oh, Oh, he is. Squirt him in the eyes with a flower waterer. Oh, my word. Piper's blinded, and now Adonis has got a sleeper hold on. Well, this is Piper's finisher used on himself. What an insult. Wow. Oh, but... Piper managing to flip Adonis over his shoulder, but Adonis still holding on. Yeah, he's like a pit bull, a really overweight pit bull, still hanging on. Piper still trying to fight out this sleeper. Oh, and he's got Brutus the Barber Beefcake's shears. Well, he wants to cut the mullet off Piper, doesn't he? As Adonis is putting him to sleep now. This could be it for Roddy Piper. Two. Second time his arm's dropped. Oh, Adonis let go of the sleeper hold, but Piper's arm wasn't down. And Jimmy Hart should not be running about with scissors. Oh, no, it's a premature celebration, isn't it? And what's going on here? Brutus the Barber Beefcake is shaking Piper back to life. <laughs> Piper knocking Jimmy Hart out of the ring. Oh, my God, Adrian missed with his, the shears. But ended up hitting himself, a la The Rock, Cacao. Uh. <laughs> and now Piper's got the sleeper hold on Adonis. He's putting the big man to sleep. The finish. Piper's beating thousands like this. Millions, James, millions. <laughs> One, two, two three. three. And Adonis is asleep. My God, Piper there was on fire. Get the barber in. And Brutus now wants to snip. And he's had it to Roddy Piper. Would you want Randy... Would you want Roddy Piper standing over you with shears? I mean, I wouldn't, no. out of all the wrestlers in the history of the world... They're not going to do it right in the middle of the ring, are they? If it's good enough for Vince McMahon, it's good enough for Adrian Adonis. 20 years later, yeah, exactly. Adrian Adonis at WrestleMania 3. 20 years later, WrestleMania 23, we see Vince McMahon. And they've actually got a barber in to do it as well. Exactly. That always helps when you see Roddy Piper just put his foot on Jimmy Hart. (laughs) Jimmy Hart's tapping out. Nothing you can do. And Brutus with the honours there. I don't think the clippers are working. This is very early in the days of wireless clippers, though. This is the mid-80s. And Adonis now supporting a lovely haircut given to him by Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And the gold locks are on the canvas and Brutus picks them up and I don't think Piper's finished yet. He's going to show Adonis his hair. He's got the mirror. Oh my word. What the fuck? And he punched the mirror as well. And now Piper's just skipping round the ring holding the mirror. And Adonis is just furious. Well, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of them all? I think it is Rowdy Roddy Piper tonight. Well, he's not adorable anymore. No, he's trying to cover it up, but even Jimmy Hart can't help that haircut out. And Piper's last match, and what reception he's getting by everybody in the crowd. So the next match is the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis versus the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. Dan, tell us a little bit about it. Conspicuous by its absence from the WrestleMania 3 card was a tag team championship belt. 
as opposed to today, where as latch of such match is, com is commonplace as the ring ropes. Champions, the Hart Foundation, would have been presumably put the gold on the line against the team they were screwed over for, they screwed over for them, the British Bulldogs. It seemed like a logical bout, but the Dynamite Kid's health was a concern. Yeah, the real-life Tom Billington suffered horrific back injury in December of 1986, necessitating, necess oh, fuck's sake, making that total switch uh, and what looked like the probable end of Dynamite's career. Bret Hart later asserted that the six-man tag team match, tacking on the uh, convincing official Danny Davis with the Hearts and Tito Santana, whom Davis had also done dirty with the Bulldogs, would prevent the need for Dynamite to throw himself around with reckless abandon, as was his norm. On January 26th, 1987 edition of Superstars, the Hart Foundation defeated the Bulldogs to win the WWF Tag Team Championships. Danny Davis was the referee for the match, and as part of the storyline, he allowed the Hart Foundation to use illegal double-team manoeuvres in the match. As a result of the match, the WWF president, Jack Tunney, stripped Davis of his referee duties. That same night, Davis was approached by manager Jimmy Hart about joining his stable of wrestlers, Davis joined up with Jimmy Hart and the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart and Jim Knight, dangerous Danny Davis. He accompanied the Hart Foundation to the ring for matches and often became involved in attacking the Hart Foundation's opponents from outside the ring or entering the ring to reverse pinfalls by placing Hart on Neidhart on top of their opponents. Uh, at the beginning of his suspension as a referee, Davis was involved in a scripted storyline which he occasionally came to the ring and insisted that he would referee a match. This led to officials from the same state athletics commission removing Davis from ringside. Yeah, so we don't really need to talk about the Hart Foundation, the Bulldogs, we will do in a second. We'll just talk about Tito Santana. He stayed as a babyface his entire career, Dan. Do you know that? Wow. And he's best known for his appearance in the WF between 1979 and 1993. That's right, 79 and 93. He missed part of 1980 and he returned in 1983. He was twice Intercontinental Champion. Twice tag team champion, also won the 1989 King of the Ring and wrestled in all of the first nine WrestleMania events, helping bridge the gap between the 1980s Rock and Wrestling Connection era to the 1990s New Era generation. He was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 2004. He faced Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 8 in singles competition. And what's interesting as well, when all uh, Hogan and Steroid Troll happened, they wanted to put the WF title on a wrestler who uh, obviously wasn't taking it. They had two choices, Tito Santana and Bret Hart, Bret Hart and gave him the title for Ric Flair. But it's interesting how it maybe could have been, you know? Most but we're not, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on this match. You see the Bulldogs coming out with Matilda. Have you seen much of the Bulldogs of the Hart Foundation at this time, Dan? Uh, I haven't so much. Now, you know, I, I know of the Hart Foundation and, of course, the Bulldogs. But, you know, it is good to see them in a match-off against each other. Exactly, and it started off quickly. We see Matilda going straight after Jimmy Hart. And now Tito on the outside throwing Jimmy Anvil into Brett. Now, it's good to go back and see because these were the two top teams, you know, in this time as well. And young Davy Boy Smith and uh, Dynamite Kid throwing Danny Davis onto the Hart Foundation. Dangerous Danny and Brett in the ring. Yeah, right down Brett. Trying to get over Tino. Oh, thrown on his face. Oh, Jesse Ventura's taking Matilda out of there. Davy Boy Smith. Yeah, young Davy Boy and a young power. It's amazing to think the careers they would have together, especially with the Hart Foundation in 97, you know? Indeed, yes. And neither of them were going to win the big prize. No, they wouldn't. You're a bit surprised. Only Brett, out of all these men here, would be WF champion. As he just uh, <laughs> beaten of the minds there with Jim. But with uh, Dynamite Kid, probably the most exciting guy in the ring at this time. Because we talk about his high-flying. 
He's influenced, you talk about earlier, you know, Shawn Michaels, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, all these young guys that see Dolph Kidd from the very first match against Tiger Mask, who was doing high fly moves. Of course, that kind of um, wrestling style brought injuries, and we've seen it with maybe like Daniel Bryan as well recently. Yeah. That kind of hard hitting wrestling, you know, the headbutts as well will work against you. Having to retire early for due to medical reasons. And yeah. unfortunately, even though he survived the British Bulldog, he's he's uh, kids in a wheelchair now, and he, he you know can't do much. Being blacklisted really because of some comments he made on the WF. We're British as well. We respect one of the greatest British wrestlers that ever was. You know, we've got David Smith in there as well. He's just tagged in. Oh, and he's unloading on Jim the Anvil. What did you think of Jim the Anvil, Nightheart? He was one of the uh, lesser known and lesser famed. Family but members. He knew his role, you know. I mean, I I, I think of him as the kind of Arn Anderson, the enforcer in, in Heart, yeah, in Heart Foundation. You know, knew his place, knew he wasn't going to get a you know a major singles run, major, major singles, singles run. run. But tag team wrestler, you know, Intercontinental maybe could have gone for protecting Brett a lot because you know Brett didn't really talk on the mic and and, and Anvil was really good promos back in the day as well. Oh, and the Dynamite kid in with Brett and just grabbing him up by his hair and. Slamming him back down again. <laughs> and then sternum first into the turnbuckle. I mean, that's got to drive the air out of your lungs. Exactly. And we talk about Tito's WrestleMania record, WrestleMania 1 to 9. At heart, uh, WrestleMania 2 to 13. So, indeed, is yes. that better? <laughs> I can't work it out It is, it's more. Is it more? <laughs> it is yeah. more. Brett and the Dynamite Kid. You can see Dynamite just taking it easy in there. <laughs> but we've seen earlier, we, we talked about earlier with the Rougeau brothers. No, Dino White Kid, little guy, wouldn't want to be messed with, you know? Nah, he's like a little bulldog. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's great to see one of the best wrestling teams of all time, you know, 30 years ago, as we say. Well, it's, you know, two of the great ones, really, to be fair. You know, the Hart family, the Hart Foundation was a legendary tag team back in that era, as was the British Bulldogs. Yeah, and the Anvil there helping Brett out by attacking uh, Dynamite Kid from behind. How many of them has been trained in Stu Hart's dungeon? Six, yeah. I would say Dangerous Danny would go back to be a wrestler after this kind of run would go over. Go back to be a referee, don't but, you? Sorry, go back to be a referee after this. And uh, Tino, like I said, had a good career, but the, the Stu Hart taught people in the ring, apart from Dynamite Kid, would go on to be in the WF for the next 10 years. Oh, there we go. Beautiful double team. But saying that, though, his Danny Davis' next major appearance major appearance was in the uh, 1987 King of the Ring tournament. He defeated Tito Santana and the Junkyard Dog before being eliminated in the third round by Macho Man, who went on to win the tournament. So he was beaten by the man who won the tournament. Exactly, it's not bad. Uh, he was booked in several series of matches against Coco Beware, George Animal Steel, Jake the Snake Roberts. This feud in which were included a single match televised on... Primetime wrestling ended in a draw. So, yeah, you know, he, he had a bit of a stint. Oh, throughout 87. Yeah, right. Right. yeah, he had a great 87, Dan. I'm not going to dispute Great 87 that. was <laughs> he, had, he, had a, he had a great 87. He dreams of like, a year coming back. Yeah, he dreams of 87. Remember when I lost to Macho Man, the King of the Ring, and I had a WrestleMania Well, match. after beating Tito Santana, <laughs> yeah. who was a legend, Junkyard Dog, yeah. who was a legend, Coco <laughs> B, where he had matches with George Animal Steel. All Hall of Famers, apart from... Danny Davis. <laughs> Maybe that's the last time. But talk about Danny Davis. He's in now. The Heart Foundation been wearing down the Dynamite Kid. And Davis in with his referee-style trunks, delivers a couple of kicks and then tags straight out. Yeah. Talk about earlier, we see in the daylight, and now it's getting darker, as it is outside our office window as well. You know, we can see the night drawing in. It feels like we've been here all day as the Heart Foundation throw Danny Davis in. But the Dynamite Kid with his knees up and managing to injure the... 
would be referee. Can he get the tag out now? Manages to tag in Tito. Danny Davis has been cheating all these face wrestlers out of matches, including Tito. That's why he's not happy. He would go on to. Yeah, and go on to as well. Oh, and a big crossbody from Santana. The referee's in trouble now. Big right hands to the face. Wants to get a bit of retribution for his dirty dealings. Serves it. The devious Danny Day-Lewis Davis. Well, you say Tito Santana and Danny Davis, Dan, and you're right. But we go back even more. We go back to early 1986 in the Boston Garden where Tito Santana lost the Intercontinental title to Macho Man Randy Savage thanks to Danny Davis officiating. So, yes, throughout 86 and 87, he would be a thorn into the side of Tito. Inside a Tito. He is, but now Tito's tagged in David Boy Smith and Dave, Danny Davis is the unfortunate man left in the ring. And he's getting run through by the Bulldog. A Bulldog at this point in time, you'd look at him and say future WWF champion. Oh, you? definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean... Brett looks a bit chunky around the edges. Yeah, I mean, they all... I mean, we can confirm they're all fucking roided out their heads. As Bulldog's got Danny Davis. Oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> you can see why that move was outlawed <laughs> yeah. now, can't you, but... Tombstone pile driver on Danny Davis. And that's not enough. He picks him up again. Look at that power. Delayed suplex. Davis has taken the brunt of this attack now. Well, Davis is in the wrong part of town. And the Bulldog. Is he going for the running power slam? Well, he's going to hit this with ease. There we go. Middle of the ring. If a... Stone pile driver, suplex, and a running power slam didn't take him out. Anvil ne- Jim the Anvil Neidhart broke the count up. Exactly, saving it. And now it's kind of broken down, all the men in. Oh, Dynamite Kid working over Brett in the corner. Oh, Danny- Davis has got the cover, thanks to Jimmy Hart on the outside. Oh, not like this. Oh. And oh. Davis with the cover on the Davy Boy, uh, Boy Smith. I think he had something in his hand like brass nuts, maybe, Jimmy a Hart. For an object. Yeah, Jimmy Cow, he's managing again. I think you threw the nuts to Danny Davis and the Hart Foundation and Davis beat the Bulldogs and Santana. But I didn't mind that match. No, it was very interesting. You know, it was, again, another quick match. But as they had a stacked card, I think, you know, it had to be quick. But yeah. it is probably one of the longest matches <laughs> yeah. on the card. I think it's the third longest match on the card, even though it exactly, was, yeah. like but, we say. You know, it was an interesting point and, yeah, you know, told a very good story in the time that it had. Yeah, and it's great to see all those guys and Danny Davis involved in that match, you know. Most definitely, all them legends and, as you say, Danny Davis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we see the replay and, like, if Yanville hadn't come in and stopped that cover, it would have been all she wrote. Jimmy Hart wasn't able to help his man in the match before, but managed to help his men in this match. Exactly. We, we should have really counted Jimmy Hart's fucking record as a night went on. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan's been out. He'd be out again later in the main event as well, Bobby the Brain yeah. Heenan. Uh, Jimmy, yeah, like you said, Jimmy Hart is very busy here tonight. Andre Giant being it with Bobby Heenan. And look how smart Bobby Heenan looks. He, he, he is ready for the championship match, isn't he? But that's how good Bobby Heenan... But I'll tell you something, Dan. It's an excellent point you've just made. Bobby Heenan was one of the main selling points in this match. Because, yes, you had Hogan, who was good in the mic we've seen. Andre wasn't so strong. And Heenan sold this because everybody hated Heenan. They blamed him for Andre basically joining his side as well, you know. And, and Heenan's so good on the mic and explaining why Hogan won't win. And it puts a fucking good case to it as well, you know. Yeah. Heenan's influenced so many, you, you can't really argue against him because, you know. No. I, I, I'm not going to go on to the oh, look how much success they had as well, a manager. Well, Heyman wouldn't have been the same if it wasn't for Heenan. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 
You've had a good three years, Hogan. You know, why complain losing to a giant? But our next match is a natural bush treat versus Coco Beware. And look who's in the ring, Dad. Slick, baby. Slick is out here. Coco. Coco Beware. Do, do you want to know something about Butch Reed, Dan? Yes, I would love to know something <laughs> about Butch Reed. Well, the natural Butch Reed established himself as a force to be reckoned with while competing in Bill Watts Mid-South Wrestling from 83 through to 1986. He was known as Hacksaw, but you'd indeed with Hacksaw Jim Duggan over the name as well. Uh, Reed and Slick signed with the WF and were brought over as a package. So Butch Reed and Slick, the, the partners in time as it was, Reed dyed his hair blonde and became the natural Butch Reed and updated of Sweet Daddy Siki. He feuded initially with Tito Santana and made his pay-per-view debut at WrestleMania 3, going up against Coco Beware. Tell me a little bit about him, Dan. Well, he's obviously retired. He made his professional wrestling debut in 78, rose to popularity during the mid-80s while appearing in the WWF, where he initially a strong mid-carder before he eventually became a jobber to the stars. Ware came to the ring with a blue and yellow macaw named Frankie and would flap his arms like a bird while dancing before and after his matches. Before joining the WWF, Ware worked as a part of several tag teams, first with Bobby Eaton in Memphis and then later on with Norvell Austin as one half of the PYT Express. Ware also holds a distinction for having competed in the first ever match on the first ever episode of Monday Night Raw. So there we go. Like I say, Coco Beware is the Hall of Fame. Butch Reed is not. And what is the difference between Junkyard Dog and Coco Beware at this time, Dan? No, 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 look at what he's wearing. Coco Beware and Junkyard Dog are wearing the same attire. Well, I don't know. Today. I think Coco Beware has got a bird. Hence, you know, he is the bird man. He comes out with a bird and he flaps his wings like a bird. And Junkyard Dog is probably got a junkyard dog yeah, no, you're, on you're his yeah, tights. No. And Butch Reed, I tell you what, out of all the wrestlers we've seen tonight, he probably is a guy that if he was around today, the way he looks, would be signed up in NXT without a problem, you know. Got very good build on him. Most of the guys we've seen, it's weird, isn't it? It's not like the physique we've got today. It's it's more upper body, isn't it? Like it seems to be big Cleaner. but not yeah, but not really as ripped as as, as I like, you know. But Coco Beware trying to get the fans. Coco Beware. Who's your favourite in this one, Dan? Coco Beware. Coco Beware. I gotta say Coco as well, I gotta like him. But I am a fan of the referee and uh, Butch Reed because they're both rocking moustaches. And not many moustaches are around nowadays. Actually we've got Jake the Snake coming up in a minute as well. That's we a great moustache. Yeah. Hogan as well. I've been on my stars watch. Yeah. But Slick, as a manager, what do you think of him? <laughs> I mean, are you a bigger fan of Slick than me? Not really, no. I drop kicking Butch Reed out of the ring, and like I say, Slick, who's dressed like a pimp, let's be fair about it. Pimping! It's pimp- pimping ain't easy, Dan. Big right hand there by Coco. Oh, a big clubbing blow from the natural to beware. So how come, uh, what's the parrot called again? You, you said it earlier. Frankie. Frankie. How come Frankie's allowed to stay but Matilda got sent back. Are they being dog racist here? Um, well, Frankie didn't go into the ring and attempt to intimidate and or attack his opponents. Frankie's just sat on a perch outside of the ring. Uh, if I like to make a point, if Frank, uh, if Matilda was still there at ringside, she would have stopped Jimmy Hart getting involved and stopping all that shenanigans at the end. So, But that's not how faces roll, James. I know it's not faces roll, but you know what I mean? Matilda, if she was around today and like you say, something was going on in the ring, the music would hit, she'd come running down and start attacking, <laughs> attacking the two dogs in the ring, you know? 
And then you find out that actually it was Frankie who had the master plan after all to, to kind of control all the do- a lot of pets in WWE in in the eighties. Snakes, dogs, and dog birds. birds. Tag team called the Killer Bees. Exactly, they're deadly if you get stung by one. Oh, and we've got a dragon. Exactly, we've got and a an animal. Yes, but Coco, beware! I think it's had the advantage over Butch Reed in this one. Don't you think, Dan? Well, yeah, Butch Reed has managed to get the uh, odd couple of moves in, but it has, the majority of it has been Coco. Oh, but he moves over that. Slam reverses a <laughs> yeah and gets the pin on Coco Beware in a shock victory for the natural Butch Reed. I can't believe it. I'm I'm shocked myself, Dan. Oh, and Coco Beware's not happy with the ending. Punches the natural Butch Reed once, sends him out the ring, and Slick attacks Coco with his walking stick. No, oh, oh look but Tito Santana's in. Get some retribution on Slick. Oh, look at Tito ripping off Slick's clothes. Ah. But we've seen that a couple of times after the match, the babyface losing and then attacking the hill straight afterwards. So all he manages to do is strip Slick, but very unsuccessfully because he still has his shirt on. So he managed to decoat Slick. He did decoat him and Slick's getting the hell out of there as his man wins. Getting the HE double hockey sticks out of there. He is and all. Coco be wearing Tito a double drop kick on Butch Reed. Butchery's trying to pick up the barricade. No, leave it, mate. It's not worth it. It's not It's not worth it, mate. Leave it. And Coco was left dancing even though he was defeated. So now all that has happened. Uh, we get down to serious business. We do indeed. And there are... This is probably known as one of the... Well, it is one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. We're and gonna judge probably it. the greatest Intercontinental Championship match. Most definitely. So we're going to judge this on today's standards and see if it's as good. Would it stand up today in the ring? You know, uh, 987, 30 years ago is a very long time. But these two men, Macho Man, Randy Savage and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, two legends. And we're going to talk a little bit about the background to this match and the build-up as well. The feud began during a title match between the two when Savage attacked Steamboat as he greeted fans at ringside. Savage then pushed Steamboat over the security rail and delivered an elbow shot that thrust Steamboat's throat into the rail and dropped the ring belt onto his throat from the top rope, injuring his larynx. Fucking hell. And no, sent it, him it, to the hospital. Yeah, no, seriously. It, it, we've just seen a clip of it now as well. It was a horrific injury at the time. No one had ever seen anything like it. A match a man, like I say, could snap... And the the attack was vicious. Sorry, Dan, continue. Uh, this resulted in a long, bitter feud that lasted for six months, including several bloody match-ups and finally culminated at WrestleMania. George the Animal Steel was in Steamboat's corner, having developed a crush on Savage's valet, Miss Elizabeth. And you see the replay as he attacks. So he hit him in the barricade, and then he hit him with the bell as well. The method to Randy Savage macho madness was careful preparation. One of the reasons so many performers had the match of their lives against the Macho Man is that Savage would meticulously plan out the body of the match. In an era where wrestlers were a little more prone to cooling in the ring, Savage preferred a concrete plan. Steamboat was one of those veterans used to free-roaming it between the ropes, so he was a little taken aback when Savage literally faxed him the bullet points for how their Intercontinental Championship would go. Assuming Savage's plan followed to the letter, who would argue with the result? Savage and Steamboat put together the best WWE match of the 1980s and ushered in a faster-paced, false-finished, laden style that would become a standard in years. Exactly. Like you say, that kind of uh, the style of wrestling match is beginning now. We see Match of Man, Randy Savage, giving one of the best promos backstage, holding it kind of title. So the Macho Man, Randy Savage, one of the greatest in our sport, 
We've not watched enough Randy Savage on the uh, podcast, and it's one of my goals is that we do. And what better way to watch one of the classic matches of his career, WrestleMania three, coming out with Miss Elizabeth? It doesn't get any bigger or more exciting than this, Dan, does it? It does not, no. And what is billed as one of the greatest Mania matches, as we've mentioned, it should be a very interesting watch. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to be able to watch on the podcast one of the greatest matches of all time, it's going to be a list when we eventually do, like the top 25, 50 matches. It will be on there. And we see Ricky Dragon Steamboat getting ready for the match. Oh, it's Dragon's breathing fire. Ricky Dragon Steamboat ready for this. But one of the most respected wrestlers of all time, Ricky Steamboat, isn't he? You know, Most definitely, yeah. I mean, success not only in WF. And the classic matches, but with Ric Flair for the NWA World Titles in the late 80s and early 90s as well. Moving through, even came back in 2009, was it? When he wrestled Chris Jericho at yeah. WrestleMania. I think at WrestleMania 25 versus three legends. Yeah. Steamboat was a part of that. And in the following month, I think at Backlash, Jericho versus the Dragon. So the Dragon can still go. A title belt being held high. And the Intercontinental Championship was probably at one of its most prestigious. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it, it debuted, I think, 1976 with Pat Patson as the first Intercontinental Champion and matches like this kind of made it legendary. This, the secondary title in WF, but hell, the, the, the star of the matches was so good, it became like the premier title. You know, you had Hogan versus these big guys and then you had the technical with Macho and Steamboat and they start early off with a collar and elbow tie-up. And both men not giving up an inch. Yeah, I'll put down all my notes and I'm just going to call this as as a match. As you see it. <laughs> yeah. As a match of today. You had Macho Man going to the outside, moving Miss Elizabeth away. Doesn't want him too close. Doesn't want her too close to George Animal still. But has he taken his focus away from the matter in hand? You could argue throughout his career, Macho's focus was Liz as opposed to winning titles as well, you know? And we'll see if it does him in tonight as the Irish Rip Steamboat. Full arm drag by Steamboat going through the legs of Macho Man. Oh, and another lovely deep arm drag takedown. Oh my God, look at the power of Steamboat just holding Macho Man up in a choke. We know how annoyed Steamboat is with Macho Man after that attack as well. You know, you try and end someone's career, it's more personal than that now, isn't it? It you know? is indeed, yes. And, you know, the animosity of this match is shown. And it's uh, quite an intense matchup between the two. It is a Macho trying to get some distance and just falling down on Steamboat as he comes back in the ring. But I don't think that'll stop Ricky too much. The boot to the midsection, might though, by Macho. And just classic look for Macho Man as well, isn't it? You know, pink tights and yellow boots, yellow knee pads. And a steamboat in the white tights and boots. A proper baby face look about him as well, you know, all dressed Clean in white shaven. as it was. Yeah. Clean shaven, dressed in white. A big elbow, Macho Man. He's going to wear down Steamboat early on, is he? You've got to try and stop that early momentum that Steamboat wants to build, doesn't he? You know, he's so fired up so early on. Macho Man just wants to cut it off and give him some time. Oh, Macho Man go charging in, but Steamboat sidesteps him and Macho Man just gets a stern and full of the turnbuckle. And again, the power of Steamboat picking Macho Man up with one arm. Well, I suppose if you hurt the arm, you can't hit the elbow drop maybe off the top, but just comes down with all his weight on it across the top rope and back in now. Twisting the Macho's arm and, you know, trying to inflict as much pain as he can to the shoulder. Trying to separate it. Steamboat knows how tough Macho Man is. You know, he's not going to underestimate him as Macho fighting out of it by pulling Steamboat's hair, then hitting the back elbow. And he means necessary for the Macho Man. Well, we've seen it. He, you know, he'll throw Liz in the way if it means retaining this title. We saw what happened at WrestleMania 2 with uh, George Steele. And Macho sending Steamboat all the way to the outside. Macho again checking, making sure Liz is all right. Macho's a champion. He doesn't have to go out there and get Ricky, does he? He can get a count out. It's probably what he's doing now. by the Macho Man. 
Steamboat has to beat him. Pits Steamboat up the top rope. Elbow straight down. Right on the larynx as well. Don't forget the injured throat Steamboat's got, you know? And the Clash larynx is not saying easy to come back from. He might never be able to talk to his children ever again, Dan. You know? Might never be able to say, I love you to his kids or his wife. It's his livelihood on the line. And Macho's working on his neck. Snapmare's in back of the ring now. I think Dave Hemler's got his hands full with Miss Elizabeth and George Allen still at ringside. Yeah, Macho with a big knee on Steamboat there. But Steamboat's trying to come back now. Won't be able to throw his head in the turnbuckle. Steamboat with a big right hand sending Macho Man back into the corner. And now the Dragon's in full control over the Macho Man again. Oh, my word. Big chops. Oh, he's got Savage tied up in the ropes. Delivering the big right hands. And now the referee's forced to break. Oh, come on, Steamboat. Oh, referee now, yeah, saying to get back. But Steamboat showing a little bit of heart to Macho Man. He, no, he didn't show you any respect. And then a kick to the midsection with the referee trying to help Macho. Can't keep him out, though. And he comes back with an arm drag on Macho Man. Shall I work that arm again? <laughs> Not for near fault. Oh, no. Going for an Irish rip. Dragon, even though he's a smaller wrestler, he's managing to take Savage down. Yeah, the shoulder blocks are helping out. Oh, my word. Macho throws Steamboat into the ropes. Front first, comes back and delivers a brutal knee to his back. And now he's going to throw Steamboat out of the ring again. Steamboat skinning the cat, coming back in. But Savage catching him and sends him out and makes sure he goes down to the mat below. I'll tell you something else as well. I mean, we might not have seen the greatest matches so far. But we've seen some really good talents, haven't we? Oh, we have. You know, then. Now. And forever. forever. So it's good to see it on the WNR podcast. Oh, my God, on the outside and Savage. Fucking hell. Big (laughs) knees to the back of Steamboat. Sends him over the uh, barricade and into the fans. Yeah, right off the announce table as well. Whatever table was there. And George still. Helping him up. (laughs) Yeah, trying to get Dragon back in it. Because count out would be good enough for a macho man. But oh the my. animal not going to let that happen and gets the dragon back into the ringway. Well, I think the referee needs to have a word with the animal here because he's, he's severely helping Ricky Steamboat. Short of coming into the <laughs> yeah. ring and actually swinging his arms for him. Yeah, the referee's like, what's going on? Well, the macho man just deposits him on the other side <laughs> of the ring. Steamboat's in a lot of trouble here. Oh macho God. man's going up top. What's he got planned? Double axe smash. Well, right on the back of Dragon's head. And that might be enough now. Macho just getting back into the ring. And Steamboat, he's had it handed to him the last few minutes of this match. <laughs> Macho getting distracted again, this time by George. What's he going to do to the animal? Oh, no, he's going back to the Dragon. Well, yeah, you've got the animal and the Dragon in this match. And the Macho Man throwing Steamboat in. Maybe he can sense this is going to be over now. Oh, double axe smash on the back of... Dragon's head from the top again by the Savage. Yeah, but Steamboat's so tough, he doesn't go down. But a big elbow sends him to the mat. But Macho Man only getting a two count. Two. Can't keep the Dragon down and again throwing him. Oh, no. Macho Man running with a bulldog type, going over the top rope and hanging Dragon up over the top rope, trying to get a quick cover. And now Macho's got him. Oh, my God. Inverted atomic drop. Okay, pin. Uh, but we talk about this now and it's like look at what's behind it we've got the feud going into it we've got we, we, the story that we know about these two guys who's good and who's bad we've got the, uh, the psychology of this match 
We know Steamboat's got a hurt neck. Macho Man's trying to do it as well. It's showing the toughness of Vicky Steamboat, you know. You've got George Allen still because he knows Macho could cheat maybe at ringside, helping and him out as well. And there's like a slight distraction as well. Yeah, exactly. So it, it just, it, there are so many factors that you know, when somebody says, what is a great WrestleMania match? Yeah. It's not just its standalone match. It's everything going into it. If they had big built-up entrances. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <coughs> oh, my God. And Macho Man showing his power there. And you've got a prize. Yeah, and exactly, and the winner, it, the winner and loser, it means something. The Intercontinental title at the end of the day, you know, with these two men fighting for it, it it's it's common sense, is it? This is what makes WrestleMania early yeah. on so great. Oh, but Steamboat getting out an offensive move there by Macho Man, delivering some chops. Irish whip Savage, but Ooh. Savage responds by holding on and kicking Steamboat. Oh, but a high back body drop sends Savage over the top rope and to the mats below. Oh, well, the elevation there and Steamboat might be an act of desperation, but it worked. Liz worried about her man. You've and got a bit of separation between the two guys. And I got to tell you that Mister Liz is looking very, very nice oh, tonight. Yeah. Oh, and Steamboat ramming Macho Man's head into the apron, throwing him back in. Now, got to go to the top. Savage is up to his feet though. Jumps over the referee and delivers a big right hand to the forehead of Savage. Oh, Savage too oh, close. Macho Man had his foot up on the ropes. Yeah, too close to the ropes there. Macho knew his position in the ring. Steamboat thought he had it won. Irish rips him into the chop now in the middle of the ring. Ah, oh, but Savage kicking out a two. Ah, and now Steamboat back down. And with Steamboat's his offence, those chops as well. Signature move from Steamboat. Oh, my word. And wiping Macho out. Macho falling to the outside and... The animal's looking on. He does look like a gorilla in this. <laughs> he does look like the missing link. Steamboat, shoulders to midsection. Sunset flip over Macho Man. Oh, manages to get the roll up. Two. Oh. Macho you just manages to fight out. And oh, he's got being rolled up again by Steamboat. Two. Oh. Again, two near falls there. Two. Two near falls. Oh, he's got him again. Oh. And we've seen nothing like this on the WrestleMania free card, no. have we? You know, this kind of This is something that would forth. probably fit in <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, I mean, we'll save our view for it at the end. But at the moment, exchanging pins, Ricky Steamboat trying to keep Macho down. Oh, and a big body slam. Steamboat going for the slingshot, the move that doesn't work. Oh, but it does work. And it hit Macho, lands on the top rope. Oh, Macho Man's dazed, gets rolled up in a sunset flip, oh. but still manages to kick out. Oh, Macho swinging at Dave Hebner. And that might give Steamboat a chance. He's got him rolled up. No. Oh, rolls up Steamboat, gets the tights, but Steamboat managing to kick out. Ah. And even with that cheating, he still couldn't keep the dragon down. Exactly, yes. There could be Randy Savage, Dragon Slayer here tonight. And Macho Man Randy Savage throws Ricky Steamboat into the turnbuckle. And Steamboat looked to have momentum on his side. And I think Macho has just changed that with one move. Feels like I'm watching this live. Oh, no. Macho trying to Irish rip Steamboat and he hit the referee. Ref down. And Macho Man taking the head off of the Steamboat. Oh, yeah. Short arm clothesline. But like you say, referee Dave is taking the nap. And where's Macho Man going now? He's going for his big patented elbow. He wants to finish this once and for all. Savage is up. (sighs) Savage is down. He's got the cover, but no referee. The referee's knocked out. Savage gets the freak. Count, but it was him that done the counting. Yes, so that doesn't count. <laughs> Trying to get the referee to wake up. And is Macho Man going to go for the big elbow again? Nope, he's going <laughs> down to the outside. Any means necessary, you said uh, earlier. And he's got the ring bell. Oh, the ringmaster doesn't want to give it up. Not Austin. 
But Racho Man snatching it out of his hands. <laughs> oh, but George Animal's still taking the bell off Macho. Oh. oh. But gets a foot to the back of his head for his troubles. And then goes and reclaims the bell. Goes up top with it. Referee's still down, but George still. Oh. George up and pushes Savage off. Savage lands hard, but he's still in this match. The ring bell's there. Referee must be thinking what's going on. Randy Savage picks up Steamboat. Steamboat catches him in the cradle. Two, three. Steamboat beats Macho Continental title. Exactly. New England champion, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And what a great match, Dan. What do you think? That was a bloody good match, yeah. Exactly for what it was for its time. You know, it was perfect. There was a good couple of high spots. You know, as we mentioned before, all these elements coming in together. And, yeah, you know, it was perfect. Yeah, and I think it's better than most things we're seeing on Raw's back then nowadays. You know what I mean? This this whole package here could be brought in. I think even if you judge it match quality alone, it holds up really well because of the back and forth action. You know, anything could happen. Even a bit of outside interference stuff that was way ahead of its time, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> you've got George <laughs> Animal still carrying Steamboat out of there. What a great moment, though. Do you know what I say? Macho Man trying to take Ricky Dragon Steamboat out. Ricky Dragon Steamboat getting revenge and winning the Intercontinental title as well at the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania 3. And he had George Animal still there making sure no shenanigans went down. Exactly. And this was the first time the Intercontinental title had changed hands at WrestleMania, Dan. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say about that? I mean, Savage and Steamboat's performance were spot on, aren't they? You know, in everything they did. Definitely, yes. Savage is the heel wrestler here. Any means necessary. Getting caught by Ricky Dragon Steamboat who showed heart throughout. And like we say, wins the Intercontinental title. Um, unfortunately, though, for Ricky Dragon Steamboat, his title wrong, and he would be a bit of part of history as well. So yes. before I bore you too much, let me just explain why. So after this, Ricky Steamboat said to Vince McMahon, I want to take a bit of time off to spend it with my family. I've got a new kid coming. And Vince was a bit annoyed by this and said, look, I've just made you an economic champion. I expect you have a bit of run with it. Steamboat said, oh, please, you understand what's going on. Bit of a falling out. Steamboat was made to drop the belt to Honky Tonk Man who would then go on to have the longest reign in Canuck title history. So that could have been Steamboat's <laughs> yeah. one if he'd have... But, you know, fair play to him. He wanted to spend time with his kids. No, exactly. And Ricky Steamboat, like I said, has always been a family man, always known as a nice guy, and had a fantastic career after leaving WF with Feud versus Vic Flair, uh, which we will watch on the uh, WNR podcast. We see Jake Roberts and Al- Alice Cooper backstage being interviewed, and look at the moustaches! Oh! And yeah, Dan, you said Jesse Ventura called it. Uh, and you were right. He said it was a classic. And 30 years later, it is still a classic. But next match is Jake the Snake Roberts with uh, Alice Cooper versus Honky Tonk Man. With Jimmy Hart is back out here. For the third time this evening. Yeah, and rock singer Detroit native Alice Cooper was in Jake the Snake's corner during this match with Honky Tonk Man. Managed by Colonel Jimmy Hart. The Honky Tonk Man had attacked Roberts with a guitar on Roberts' interview segment, Pit, which it legitimately injured Roberts' neck. And we saw that. And that was before guitars were uh, rigged as it was. And that, I mean, Jake Snake's got a bit weird in, in recent years. And I think maybe that could be the start of it, you know? Indeed, yes. And, you know, Jake and Honky Tonk Man had their work cut out for them trying to follow the Savage Steamboat all-time classic. This event kind of began to turn Roberts into a babyface as well as a feud between the wrestlers, which come out in this match. And Honky Tonk Man at this moment was basically ripping off Elvis Presley. And as we see, that's why he's called Colonel Jimmy Hart for. But yeah, we'll see if this match can live up expectations. I mean, coming off, like you say, coming off that classic match 
I'm not sure if he can live up to the hype. But we've only got three matches left anyway. So what are your thoughts on Jake the Snake or Honk Top Man? Jake the Snake first, Dan, go on. You know, Jake the Snake wasn't bad. He didn't quite reach the pinnacle that he maybe could have. But I think, you know, he had his demons along the way. Yeah, he's cracked pipe and his, uh, <laughs> his stuff and stuff like this. Indeed. Famous video of Jake the Snake taking a piss in the middle of the ring as well in the independent scene. But he started this on fire. And back in the day, Jake the Snake was a fantastic mid-card Great in ring and fantastic promos because he spoke, you know, and like people could listen to. He didn't shout like normal, you know, the normal wrestlers would cross. And he started strong with Honky Tonk Man here, hasn't he, Dan? He has indeed, yes, but the Honky Tonk Man managing to reverse an Irish whip but getting met with a Jake the Snake Roberts knee. No, and the Honky Tonk Man, he might be cool, cocky and bad, but he's going against Jake the Snake and Damien. He as, is indeed. As he's getting the suit ripped off him. And look at those left and right hands by Jake. Bang on the money there. Indeed, yes, and you know, Honky Tonk Man's not even managed to get out of his into his proper wrestling attire. Jake the Snake helping him out there and throwing him back into the ring, but Honky Tonk Man's sliding <laughs> out the other side. Yeah, Jake trying to chase him down. Goop slam out onto the thin mats on the outside of the ring. There's been a lot of action on the outside in this event as well. There has indeed, yes. I don't think Honky Tonk Man wants to be in there, you know. He doesn't well, he, you know, he injured Jake the Snake and the Snake's Wants to get a bit of retribution. Exactly. Another WrestleMania match with a bit of story behind it. I mean, what's so surprising about that? Jake the Snake and, didn't come out to Honky Tonk Man and look up at a sign. And then all of a sudden, no, that was a match. Look up at a sign, yeah. look back at Honky Tonk Man and then walk out. <laughs> this is serious, God damn it! But Alice Cooper, are you a fan of his work? He's got a few memorable songs. Yeah. You know, it's... Yeah, Feed My Frankenstein and Poison... School's out. Oh, I like Alice Cooper. I like that kind of... We talked about it when we saw Dee Snyder, Twisted Sister. That kind of that kind of rock. I like that. Yeah, I'm a Kiss fan as well. I don't mind admitting to that. Dan. We don't t- really talk about our music taste on here, but I'm very uh, eclectic. I think choice of music would be the right word for yeah, me. Yeah, you know, same here. I've, I've got a very wide variety of music. Oh, my God. Look at the bag in the corner. It's moving. Damien can smell his dinner. And the honky tonk man still getting beaten up by Jake the Snake Roberts. But it's not Damien's dinner time yet. It's not. And honky tonk got out of harm's way. Uh, distracting Jake the Snake, but still honky tonk can't get any offense in. I thought Cooper was there to try and stop Jimmy Hart getting involved in the match. And yet Cooper's stood right around the other side of the ring. Well, Jake doesn't need any help. Well, maybe up until now. Hits him from behind. He goes into the barricade, nearly into the first row. So do you think that was a bit short on managers having uh, Honky Tonk Man coming out twice? And I think, maybe not. I think they were just that's how good they were. You know, Heenan had his Heenan family, built the stable, Jimmy Hart, numerous wrestlers that he had in his kind of Hart family as well. Now, I think it's, they're just two great rest managers of their time. I think we were lucky to have them. I know I've seen Slick and other guys in this one as well. There was a lot of managers. Yeah, and Alice Cooper now, Jake Snake gets taken off the apron and now he's going to go check on his man. Alice Cooper's at ringside. This is WrestleMania, damn it, when Alice Cooper's at ringside. Not when Pamela Anderson comes out with... Sh- <laughs> well, yeah, that, well... Yeah, but long gone in the day, you know, Snooky in there. Snoop, <laughs> you know? Dog, Snoop Dogg come out. Snoop, Snoop Dogg was all right Banks. last year, but it's just enough celebrities that they use. Alice Cooper's all right. Jake getting slammed and Honky Tonk's in second rope now. A bit of shake, rattle and elbow drop. <laughs> Indeed. And the Honky Tonk Man's in full control. I mean, he is a legend in his own rights. Yeah. He's a very good worker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Honky Tonk. And, of course, his his entrance theme, Cool, Cocky and Bad, one of the best entrance themes out there. But, you know, you've got to love him tender if you want to kind of get the right thing, you know. 
That's it, indeed. And at the moment, though, he's putting uh, Jake into jailhouse rock for your right hands. Can it be Heartbreak Hotel for the Honky Tonk Man? I think it could, but you've got to be careful because Jake, you know, Honky Tonk will have suspicious minds going into this one when it comes down to it. You know, Jake's a certain type of wrestler. Oh, and Honky Tonk goes way on down there on Jake the Snake. I tell you what, a little less conversation, a little more action, please, in this match between these two. And of course, Jake the Snake came from the ghetto. Tonk working on him. Oh, not wearing his blue suede shoes tonight. Doesn't need to. Wears those white boots and put the pounds on the Jake. He's working on Jake the Snake in the corner with a big white hands. He's going to get too cocky, though. <laughs> oh, Jake the Snake with a lovely inverted atomic drop. Soon changing the tide of this match. Jake has been beaten down the last couple of minutes or so. Can he get back into it? Honky Tonk Man calling for the uh, double axe handle there. <laughs> Doing it again. But Roberts going to the midsection and stopping Honky Tonk Man in his tracks. Oh, the jabs. The right the King Lawler's cousin. Exactly. But look at Jake the Snake, the jabs as well. Be- beautiful. And now Honky Tonk doesn't want any of it. He's saying, no, please leave me alone. Oh, and a big back body drop there by Roberts to Honky Tonk. Yeah, and I tell you what, the Honky Tonk man could be in trouble. It's so t- again, either of these, could you see them as a potential heavyweight champion? Yeah, I think um, Jake the Snake, as Honky Tonk is caught up on the second rope, and now it's kind of teet-tottering as Jake the Snake punches him. I think Jake the Snake had a, has a potential to be WF champion. A little bit on the smaller side in these days, but as his career went on, if he'd have stayed on track, I think maybe he could have done. The old veteran type, and he's going for the DDT on Honky Tonk. Oh, but Mouth of the South grabs Jake Snake Roberts' leg, and Honky Tonk Man rolls up Roberts, and he's got the ring rope, oh, but the referee on, doesn't the see it. Free. Oh, my God. Honky Tonk, and another hill winning by illegal means Devious here. Devious means. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. And Roberts went to swat Honky Tonk Man around the face with that guitar, but luckily enough, Honky Tonk Man ducking and getting out of dodge and that's the quickest we've seen honky tonk man move tonight he is gone now from ringside it is just jimmy hart in the middle of the ring yeah a rock gun in the snake place <laughs> he is oh jake the snake's got the full nelson on jimmy hart and jimmy hart trying to fight off and, <laughs> and <laughs> let it be known that he does have a legitimate fear <laughs> of snakes well he is shitting it now <laughs> and damien's come out to play well, Cooper, Coop. of course, he's a veteran snake handler. That's what I'm saying. He's handled plenty of snakes in his day, hasn't he? The handled plenty of snakes in his day. And now Jimmy Hart's in big trouble. Trying to kick away. Alex Cooper says that it's the referee. This is what it is. Jake's saying, quick, fucking do it. Oh, and he didn't. He ran away and oh. Oh, and a petrified Jimmy Hart gets a snake draped. Honky Tonk Man comes back for his manager and they both duck out of there. I think Jimmy Hart needs to go and change his pants. Yeah, I think he does as well. They started off white, but unfortunately they ended that way. Look at the rubbish being thrown at them. But, I mean, what did you think of that for a, 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 <laughs> a match? <laughs> it was a bit of a shambles, really, to be honest. But, yeah, you know, it was a, quite a comical ending. Again, heelish tactics prevailing again. They got a bit of comeuppance for it after the match. So, you know... All was not lost. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's too bad. You know, we just had that classic match, as you say. And now we've had this bit shenanigans. Alice Cooper getting involved. Jake the Snake. It's not been too bad. It's an enjoyable, in a weird way, it is quite an enjoyable card. Even though you've got like 12, 10 matches thrown in all quickly. Yeah. The, the speed of it, you kind of, if it is bad, you forget about it. And you've moved on to the next one at that point anyway. You know, you... <laughs> we've seen it all tonight. We, we've literally, yeah, we've, we've seen a, a wide variety of everything here, and we've got two matches left. The next match is... It is the Killer Bees versus Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Well... James, 
Who the fuck are the killer bees? <laughs> well, the killer. I'll tell you about the killer bees. They were Jim Brunzel and B. Brian Blair. And they were signed in the WF in 1985 and were used as enhancement talents, really. Uh, suggested by Hulk Hogan saying that maybe they could do a little bit more. Yeah, and they started a long running feud with the Heart Foundation as well. Bill, the, the Beatles had a running feud with the Funks, Hoss and Free, and Jimmy Jack Funk, which has got great now, or love to be called Jimmy Jack Funk. And in August 1986, they faced the uh, Funks in front of 70,000 people at the big event in Toronto, a card headlined by Hogan versus Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful. And the team also received a couple of unsuccessful title shots against the then-champions, uh, the Dream Team. And what was next for them after that? Uh, they was part of the Battle Royal involving NFL players at WrestleMania 2. And next got the spotlight at WrestleMania 3 where they played Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. Uh, so tell us a little. We all know the Iron Sheik. I mean, we don't really have to talk about him. Uh, former WWF champion. Come up with Jabroni first. Beat, uh, you know, beat Bob Backlund. Lost to Hogan to start off. Hulkamania, but Nikola, uh, Nikolai Volkov, anybody that doesn't know who he is, Dan? In 1984, Volkov returned to the now WWF and teamed up with the Iron Sheik as a pair being managed by the Hollywood fashion plate, Classy Freddie. Legend in the sport. Again, you know, another legend. Uh, it was at that point Volkov really pushed the envelope and began to sing the national anthem of the Soviet Union before every match, <laughs> which the Iron Sheik would grab the microphone and, and proclaim, Iran number one, Russia number one, before exaggerated spitting after saying USA in order to gain even more heat for being foreign heels. They captured the WWF tag team from the US Express with the first ever, Wrestle, uh, the first ever WrestleMania. Uh, after losing the titles back to Rotunda and Wyndham, three months later, Volkov began to wrestle more in singles competition, including wrestling Hulk Hogan for the WWF Heavyweight Championship on several occasions in 85 and 86, including a flag match at the second ever episode of Saturday Night's main event at the Meadowlands Arena, but could never defeat Hogan for the title. Uh, Volkov also feuded with former 82nd Airborne Paratrooper, Corporal Kirshner, for our 85 and 86, defeat, defeating him in a peace match on Saturday Night's main event. The feud ended when Kirshner uses Blasi's cane to defeat Volkov at WrestleMania 2 in another flag match during the Chicago portion of the event fall of 1986, Volkov's manager, Classy Freddie Blassie, sold half interest in his sable of superstars to the Doctor of Style, Slick, giving Slick co-managerial rights to the Nikolai Volkov. Classy Freddie Blassie also shared the contracts of the Iron Sheik and Hercules. This was a storyline aimed at reducing the aging Blassie's active roles as a Hollywood fashion plate, eventually retired in the fall of 86 at the age of 68. Sheik and Volkov feuded with WWF newcom newcomer Jim Duggan for the majority of 1987. And that's why Slick is out with Iron Sheik and Nikola <laughs> Nikolai Volkov with the ripped T-shirt, you know. And like I say, I love the gimmick of singing national anthems before the bell, especially the way he did it. Here we go, Nikolai Volkov. Turn that shit up, boy. He had a great voice. I'm not going to lie to you. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Well, Jim Duggan's had enough of this. Oh, <laughs> 
beat Simon Sheik over the back with a two by four. Well, that's the way to kind of stop the uh, Russian national anthem, isn't it? Having the All American running out here. Well, you know, he had a he's got a flag stapled to his two by four. Oh, and it is a relatively new Hacksaw Jim Duggan like, as well. Like you said, newcomer Jim Duggan just coming onto the scene in the WWF here, sending the three men out of the way. So that's an interesting way to get it, isn't it, Jim Duggan? We should mention before this match t- took place, me and Gene Oakland came out and announced that it was in 93,173 people, me and Gene Oakland said. And now the killer bees have come out here. You kind of young, we've seen a lot of ba- young babyface teams again rocking. The uh, moustache, which is always appreciated. Mullet and moustache. It is. Oh, and Koloff and Sheik going to beat up the bees. And you've got the big Russian, the big Iranian. And you've got the big American on the outside with his big lump of wood. An attempted Irish whip there by the killer bees, but Volkov and uh, the Sheik managed to loop round each other's arms and attempt to reverse it, but the killer bees still getting the upper hand, and they're just working over... Uh, the Iron Sheik. Yeah, Tomic drop into a double hand clap. I've turned it into a proper match. Yeah, now Brian B. Blair tagged in. Double elbow on the Iron Sheik. Of course, Iron Sheik, just three years ago, former WF champion. Still in quite good shape here, you would say, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know, relatively good shape. It'd still come out for the gimmick Battle Royal a few years later as well. Yeah. <laughs> and Bobby Heenan, one of the best calls of the night. When he walking down into the ring, it'll be WrestleMania 36. <laughs> And that is only a couple of short years exactly, away. Yeah. <laughs> it should have Iron Sheik walking down, Heenan coming out and saying that again. <laughs> Killer Bees, though. Double hip toss on the Iron Sheik and now I'm going to try and put him away. Don't see that move anymore, do you? No. <laughs> you do not see that move anymore. Now working him on. And now... <laughs> B, Brian. Yeah. Killer B, Brian. Do you reckon Coco Beware should be joining this I think he well? should, yeah, be part of the, 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 part of the stable. Yeah, this had Bobby the Brain manage him as well. So they'll, they'll have uh, Killer Bees with Coco Beware with Bobby the Brain Heenan as the manager. And the Iron Sheet and Nikolai Volkov have taken over now on the Killer Bees. You see the rubbish thrown in after Volkov trying to sing the Russian national anthem. Oh, an Iron Sheet now <coughs> trying to take out the Killer Bees. Oh, Iron Sheet throwing him in the corner. Now Nikolai getting the tag in. And this is slowed down, this action. A lot of big veterans working over their man in the corner. Oh, ducks underneath Volkov's big clothesline attempt, but Volkov catches him and gives him a big bear hug. Blair's in trouble now. He looks like he's doing something else there. I'm not going to lie to you with a bear hug. He's getting buggered. Very oh. excitable. But a double forearms to either side of Volkov's head managed to break the grip, but he gets a tag into the Iron Sheik. Standing sh- suplex there by the Iron Sheik, only managing to get a two count. Two. Jim Duggan's pacing up and down outside. Well, he's going to stop any shenanigans between the Sheik and Koloff. And now Sheik again. Beautiful suplex. Can he keep him down? Oh. Managing to kick out. Oh, the former WWF champion. Hot tag, but did the referee with the moustache see it? Oh, the referee didn't see it. His moustache was blocking his view. (laughs) Oh, come on. Jim Duggan saw it. Duggan. And now Sheik and Koloff double teaming. Oh, a couple of big back elbows. Sending the B bumbling to the outside. Well, Sheik is going to go top rope, 450. No. Oh, he's going to gloat. Jim Duggan is getting more and more irate at ringside. Marching round the ring, getting Sting away from his opponent. He's chasing Volkov. It's a very slow race. Who's Both men have picked up speed. Oh, oh Iron Sheik's got the, uh, got the camel clutch in the middle of the ring. 
And Jim oh. Duggan's in now. Don't do it, Jim. Oh, nails. Iron Sheik across the back with a two by four. Disqualification there. For the killer bees. Uh, but, you know, Iron Sheik certainly coming off worse. He had a lump of wood wrapped around his back. I'm not sure the killer bees are going to be too happy about this, though. Well, now it kind of ruins their WrestleMania moment. But then, you know, he was caught up in the Iron Sheik's finishing move, so... I suppose, yeah, in the middle of the ring as well, so... If he weren't going to tap out, he might have passed out. Maybe Duncan did him, did him a favour, you know? Indeedly, doodly. But there goes the pimp, the Russian and the Iranian. And Jim Duggan's got the mic now. What's he got to say? There's nothing more patriotic than Jim Duggan. Chanting USA. Yeah, exactly. Starting the USA chant. And it is now time for the main event. The promos before the, the match takes place are two of the most... Famous, I think, in WWE history as well. What Hogan and what uh, Andre Giant do in these is brilliant. With me at this time, manager Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I'm privileged to be standing next to the most extraordinary athlete of all time. He is not elected until this date to challenge Hulk Hogan for the heavyweight championship. And this afternoon at WrestleMania 3, Bobby Heenan, your man, Andre the Giant, will be doing just that. You bet he's going to be doing just that. He's going to become the heavyweight champion of the world. And I'll tell you why. First of all, the man is undefeated in over 15 years as a professional athlete. Hulk Hogan has never been in the ring or met a man bigger than him, stronger than him, taller than him, that weighs more than him, and with a burning will inside more than Andre the Giant. You see, Hogan... Few short hours from now, that clock is ticking, and it's ticking in our direction, not yours. Hulkamania is over. Hulkamania is dead. The door's going to be shut on the history books of Hulk Hogan once and for all. There is a new heavyweight champion of the world, the odds-on favorite in Las Vegas and all over the whole wrestling world. They're picking Andre the Giant. Nobody can defeat this man. Nobody even can come close to defeating this man. And Hogan, I know what's happening to you now because it's happening to me. The butterflies are in my stomach. The adrenaline's flowing through my veins, and I'm getting ready because I'm going to manage the heavyweight champion of the world. And Hogan, hey, you had three good years. You got nothing to look back on, but it's all over. Andre the Giant, the new heavyweight champion of the world. The biggest heavyweight title bout of all time, Andre the Giant, to meet Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Then that just, Heenan's intense, isn't it? He's like, yeah. You can see how excitable he is for this match. So, yes, the next match is the main event. WWF Championship, Hogan versus Andre Giant. We're going to see the promo video here as it was back in the day. Tuesday, the 4th of March, 2014, Hulk versus Andre, looking at the buzz behind the biggest main event in WWE history. Of course, we're watching that main event come tonight. And it's just interesting. There's only going to be like five, ten minutes of talk in this one because they're going to show the match as well. Talking heads include Stephanie, Michael Cole, and all the people from the time. So Bret Hart saying he was a Babe Ruth in wrestling. So they're talking about passing of the torches there, right? So you see Bret Hart with Sean... Uh, so yeah, the guy saying this match so important in WrestleMania history. It's the passing of the torch. Andre passed it to Hogan. But they're saying Hogan needs to be beaten by... Uh, needs to beat an icon of the sport. And who more iconic than the seven foot four, 500 pounds Andre the Giant. But Andre the Giant looks more impressive than Big Show, doesn't he? He does look like a huge fucking giant, you know what I mean? That doesn't look manipulated at all. I don't know, it's, again, the calibre of the moves. But Andre Giant just looks thicker than the big... He just looks, you know what I mean? Like, 
Look at the size of that guy. Look at the size of Andre Giant. Yeah. They're saying Andre Giant was undefeated, but he had lost before, but it was just a build-up towards the match, which kind of added to it as well, because it was like the two things they said was Andre Giant hadn't been beaten and he'd never been slammed. And could those two things happen, you know? So a giant that had never been beaten getting put over by someone who's meant to be the face that runs the place. Exactly, Mm. you know? This is literally the first big WrestleMania main event, one-on-one, Andre Giant Hogan. Chuck Wepner is based on the life of Rocky. He wrestled Andre Giant and he boxed Muhammad Ali. Because Andre Giant was in films as well, Princess Bride, one of my sister's favourite movies. So if Andre the Giant was in a great amount of pain with his back going into this matchup with Hulk Hogan, you know, his last swan song. Yeah, this was his last big thing that he could do, and Vince McMahon desperately wanted him to uh, face Hogan and kind of, like you say, that passing of the torch as well. Look how young Vince looks there. Look how well, you know. Andre saying he just wanted to be the Giant, not the champion. February 12th, 1984. That was three years before Andre and Hogan would face off, and he was being asked back then. And, of course, January 17th, 1987 is where it all started as well. What's interesting, they talked about the start of WrestleMania, you know, with the Hulkamania rise, and now the, the reasoning behind Andre and Hogan happening at WrestleMania 3. Like all other WrestleMania events, WrestleMania 3 was promoted for several months in advance. And the main feud was when Andre and the Giant heel turn and betrayal of his friend, the WWF champion Hulk Hogan. And it began on an episode of Piper's Pit, when WWF President Jack Tunney presented Hogan with a trophy for being the WWF champion for three years. And Andre, his good friend, came out to congratulate him, but cryptically remarked, three years to be a champion is a long time. A week later on another episode of Piper's Pit, Tunney presented Andre with a visibly smaller trophy for being undefeated in WWF for 15 years. And Hogan came out to congratulate Andre, but before the giant could speak, ended up being the focal point of the interview. Annoyed by this, Andre walked out during Hogan's congratulations speech. A week later on, yet another episode of Piper's Pit, Bobby the Brain Heenan announced himself to be Andre's new manager. Andre then challenged Hogan to a title match at WrestleMania 3 and attacked Hogan, ripping off Hogan's t-shirt and crucifix neck crucifix necklace yeah and we see the clip as you say that dan look up and you see exactly that and this was shocking at the time because nobody ripped hogan's t-shirt off apart from hogan hogan was the only man that has strength to rip a t-shirt off his own body and and the the power of jesus christ his lord and savior around his neck made him bleed we see the blood marks here but the real story going into this was even more interesting dan well hang on a minute hang on a minute before you do that dan let's see hogan's backstage as well and if he was pumped earlier, what the fuck is he now? Moments away from the biggest heavyweight title defense for this man ever, Hulk Hogan. You gotta be ready. Well, you know, I hope Pontiac Michigan recovers, man. I'm glad I snuck in early last night, brother. I didn't realize the interstates, the Pontiac Silverdome was in danger. Not the 90,000 plus on the inside. It's the 90,000 plus on the outside of the Silverdome. Those are the ones I'm worried about because when I get my hands on that big nasty giant, when he faces the truth, when he feels the wrath of Hulkamania, the day, the whole earth is going to shake. What are those 90,000 plus Hulkamaniacs on the outside going to think? I'm not worried about the people with the closed circuit. I'm not worried about the people all around the world. They'll see it. 
But the intensity of Hulkamania, the way it's turned this whole state upside down, the way the whole world's turned upside down, what are they going to think when the giant hits the ground? He feels the wrath of Hulkamania, and the whole world shakes at my feet. We could conceivably blow the roof off this great facility, the Silver Dome. Right now, let's go back to the booth. Oh, my God. What an end, eh? When the whole world shakes at my feet after he slams the giant, Andre. The 550-pound man. I know. Unbelievable. No one's ever slammed him. No one's ever beaten him. But the real story, Dan. It took a ton of convincing for McMahon to get Andre the Giant to agree to this main event. At WrestleMania 3, Andre was 40 years old and in constant pain, his back and joints bearing a weight that may as well have been as heavy as the world. Andre ag- agreed to the plan, ultimately, and underwent radical back surgery to try and get him the massive payday McMahon had promised. In the event that Andre was unable to perform that night, or if or Andre ultimately... WWE had commissioned long-term Hogan villain Paul Orndorff to wait in the wings as a possible stand-in. We've seen Hogan had been having a feud with Orndorff leading up to this. Uh, it wouldn't have been the same as what we got, but Orndorff would have been suitable as of a last result as WWE could have possibly come up with. Andre drinking stories are wrestling's answer to Chuck Norris fact, except, well, they're probably real. And albeit, we've heard the one about Andre drinking, drinking 116 12-ounce beer in one sitting. <laughs> or is it 156? So downing 14 bottles of wine before the most famous wrestling match in history probably doesn't raise too many eyebrows. <laughs> that is unbelievable. And with, uh, a, with, with a back brace tucked into one strap singlet like he wore for the first time ever, RJ was as prepared as he was ever going to be to pull himself through the showcase of his life. So we'll see what Andre Giant can do. As we're getting all the celebrities coming out, we've seen Bob Buecher. We've seen this woman as well. She, uh, <laughs> she Oh, that woman. That yeah. woman. She interviewed oh, yeah. um, Miss Elizabeth for Macho Man. She didn't went then, fuck's sake. Miss Elizabeth for <laughs> the Macho Man. Mary Hart. Here we go. The big man is being taken down to the ring in his mini ring cart, accompanied by his manager, Bobby the brain who has promised tonight dan that we will have a new wwf champion who would argue as the 550 pounds seven foot four giant comes out here getting rubbish thrown at him and of course like we say fan favorite turned his back not only on hulk hogan and hulkamaniacs but every single one of these 93,000 fans in the arena right now and bobby heenan leading that charge as well so do you think he's actually drunk 14 bottles of wine it's possible. Andre Giant, like we say, the story's a legendary. He could, you know, he could do anything, and you, you probably would believe it as well. And like I say, un- you know, unfortunately passing away in 1993, Andre Giant, but one of those who will always be remembered. We talk about passing of the torch. You know, Andre and Hogan, it was a true passing of the torch. Andre was the man. Even though Hogan has held it for three years. He's undefeated for 15. Uh, exactly. And the challenger, Andre the Giant, you can't get any bigger. And Jesse Ventura running through the... Uh, the tail of the tape for yeah. Andre. Is Hogan going to walk or be in the uh, thing? He's going to walk. <laughs> he is going to walk. Hulkamania in his prime. He doesn't get, you know, you could argue with everybody. Steve Austin, The Rock, anybody, John Cena. Hogan at this point is near enough undefeatable. And the question is, can he beat the Giant tonight in his biggest challenge? He is the immortal Hulk Hogan. He is. He, he says it right. He says his prayers. He eats his vitamins. He drinks his milk. 
And he's often racist, but you can forgive him because he's an old man. Because he's Hulk Hogan, goddammit. He's it. Hulk Hogan. He's yeah. Hulk, he is the Babe Ruth of the WWF. You know, he is the legend. He is the... Some might argue that Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania. Some might argue that Triple H is Wrestle- Mr. WrestleMania. But without Hulkamania, WrestleMania wouldn't have been what it was. Exactly. That. You know, WrestleMania won the re- Rock and Wrestling connection with Hogan involved as well. And even this one, you know, without Hogan there, 90,000 people making it one of the most successful WWE events of all time. And the crowd have gone absolutely crazy. They have gone banana. And night has fallen here tonight. And this is the battle. This, this is the biggest match Maybe we've ever watched on the podcast, Dan. Do you know that? That the, the means so much. Hogan, Andre the Giant, it's iconic. And we're watching it now. It's certainly one of the most iconic matches. I mean, you know, every WrestleMania, they always show this clip between yeah. the two guys. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Face to face. How's it going to go? Hogan is pumped. You know, six foot seven, like we said. A big man himself. The immortal one against the undefeated one. Andre pushing off Hogan. Former best friends. They are. And Hogan, and I said, another WrestleMania match. we build up to it. Hogan starts with a punch. He's going to go for the slam. Oh. One, but the Giants. Two, three. But the Giant, and ah, oh, only getting a two count. And the Giant holding up two fingers. I don't think he understands. Oh, no, he's holding up three. My bad. Well, the referee, referee counted for the third count. I mean, Hogan tried to pick him up. Weight went down on him. I think he got caught there. Well, it just goes to show that the Hogan can't slam the Giant. And that is a shocking. Hogan might have severely injured his back now as well. Andre in control. Clubbing blows with a man with hands the size of skillets. Exactly. And he, uh, Hogan, the most dominant force in wrestling recently, and Giant just, it's just, come on, Hogan, get up. He's just swatting him down every time he gets up. These punches might not seem a lot, but when you've got them sized hands, them sized arms, those sized legs... Anything is going to hurt. Oh, it's going to hurt ten times more. Exactly. It's not getting, you know, it's, he's swatting Hogan like a fly at the moment. Even though just standing up is probably causing Andre more pain than he's inflicting on Hogan. Most but. definitely. And you can see with the singlet as well, uh, just above it on his back where the back brace is. Yeah. But the Giant's probably doing this for Hogan as well, you know, as he picks him up and slams him. With ease. Hogan, there had been stories that Hogan had said he weren't sure if the Giant was actually going to work in you know, sell for him and do the slam for him. He wasn't never sure. I knew, it, knew Andre said, well, there's a chance he could, but if he didn't want to, you would have known straight away. <laughs> you yeah. know, there wouldn't have been no bucking about. You're not going to be able to guess. You're going to know. Yeah. And the giant did this for Hogan in the end. He picks him up, slams him down. And the ring shaking beneath Andre's feet, not Hogan's. <laughs> well, Hogan said that earlier. Look at the giant stepping over Hogan. Well, if that lower back wasn't injured, the weight of 50 pounds standing down onto the back of you, it's going to fucking hurt. Most definitely. And Heenan at ringside, and he probably had this game plan, you know, take Hogan out early. Can Hogan actually get... <laughs> Hogan is down. He's he's had no offence. He knows what Hogan's all about, you know. He knows he's going to probably come back in this match. At some point, Andre the Giant needs to be ready for that. Yeah. And with Heenan in your corner telling you what's going to happen or not, that will be a big help. And an Irish whip to Hogan. Look at the power. Nearly, like you say, busting off that top turnbuckle. Yeah, what do you think of your champion now? Hogan getting choked in the corner. Oh, and the big shoulders into the chest. Driving the air out of Hogan. And talk about collapsing the lung and the referee checking Hogan to see if he's still breathing at the moment. Uh-oh. Oh, and all of his weight pushing you into the corner. Fucking hell. 
Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Hogan do. is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Yep. By Andre. Now, headbutt. Oh, oh, my word. Yeah, and Andre Giants head the same as the Peugeot 106. But now Hogan looks like he's coming back into it now. French. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's Hogan hulking up. It looks like a bit of claret on him. Oh, delivering a couple of big arms, but barely rocking the big fella. Oh, huge chop. In the corner, and Andre's staying on his feet. <laughs> well, Andre is rocked, but he's still not gone down yet. Oh. Hogan bouncing the Giants' <laughs> head off the t- multiple times. Eight, nine, Ty Dillinger. <laughs> Ten. And now Hogan has got the 90,000 Hulkamaniacs pumping through his veins. But Andre the Giant... Getting his foot up and stopping Hogan's onslaught. Just like that. So Hogan, six offensive moves and then just one from Andre. A foot from Andre. <laughs> yeah. Raise your foot. Bang. <laughs> Hogan probably got himself in a bit of trouble here. Like you say, yeah, running into that. And Andre's just going to take his time. He's in no rush. Heenan knows this as well. What's Heenan doing? Probably get rid of some rubbish. And Andre, oh my God. Oh, on the previously injured back of Hogan, Andre the Giant's got a bear hug. Just zapping the life out of the immortal one. And Hogan is in serious trouble now. He's, yeah, like I said, he's going to get the life squeezed out of him. I mean, Hogan, for three years, he's been dominant as heavyweight champion. And to be put in his tracks, you know, to be slowed in his tracks by Andre, it's it's going to be a hard thing to overcome. Oh, exactly. I mean, what can you do? I mean, his fans are trying to get him back into this. The Hulkamaniacs. And the light is fading above Hogan's head. It's the light fading on his championship reign. Hogan trying to get his arms underneath the bear hug now. He's trying to get some separation between the two, but Andre's just leaning his weight into Hogan as well. That's not helping. I think he's falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, Andre's doing well. I going, have drunk so many wine. Yeah. I uh, need to sleep. Just when it looked like Hogan was going to get out of it, Andre squeezed once more. And Hogan is faded. Referee checks his arm once. It goes down. Twice. And it flops down. Third time lucky for Andre. But he finally keeps it in the air. And Hogan's coming back to life. And the fans solidly in Hogan's corner. He's the pun- Hulkamaniacs. He's punching Andre the Giant. And that's something else you don't see today. The crowd 100% behind a wrestler. With Hulk Hogan are 100% behind him. Especially someone who's held the title for three years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, that yeah. might have got stale with nowadays standards. <laughs> I mean, fucking Roman Reigns can't even get a look in. No, he can't even get a fucking four-month title reign. Oh, and Hogan. Working Andre Giant. He's rocking a little bit. Oh, a big shoulder barge, but Andre managing to regain his composure. Oh, and he's fighting back with Hogan now as well. Just the power of Andre. Oh, oh. and a big chop sends the Hulkster back to the mat. Again, Hogan has three or four offensive moves. One offensive move from Andre, and that's it. Hogan's in trouble. Exactly. I mean, it's not pretty, but it tells the story of this match. It's bowling shoe ugly, James. It is. And a big boot to the midsection. Hogan sends him outside, and Andre's going to go fire. Well, is that a mistake? Andre going after him. Then again, Dan, you can't win the title on the outside, but Andre could possibly lose it. Hogan against the ring post now. Oh, Oh, Andre the Giant going for a headbutt, but Hogan ducking out of the way and Andre headbutting the ring post. And that ring did move then, I saw it. I saw it shift. And now what can Hogan do? Trying to get back into it. Oh, he's lifting up the protective mat. And the fans helping him saying, yeah, you do that. And now Hogan, what's he going to try and do to Andre? Pile drive him? You're joking. 
Oh, Andre's managing to get a back body drop. Hogan's oh. slipping down the back and a thunderous crash to the floor below. A concrete floor. Hogan, like I said, smacked right on that. Probably not the best looking body drop in the history of wrestling, but hey. I think it's up there with the worst. Well, Andre throwing Hogan back in the ring. Crawling in himself. Can he get the cover and capitalise on this? No man has gone for the pin, apart from Andre in the early seconds of this match. Now Irish, Irish whip. Hogan oh. dodges the big boot, catches him, and Andre's down. Oh Andre's down. God, the giant. Been knocked down and heeding, checking on Andre. He said, come on, you can get back into this. And Hogan, knowing that he's got the big man down, feel he can do more to hurt this behemoth. And look at the crowd as well, jumping up and down. They've never seen anything like it. This is probably the first time a big man's been taken down in 15 years. And now Andre trying to get back up, and Hogan... The Hulkamaniacs behind him. The Hulkamaniacs are running wild, Jimbo. Go on then, call it. And Hogan picking up the giant and slamming him to the mat below. The ring shaking beneath his feet. My God! Delivering the atomic leg drop. One, two, two three. Hulk Hogan has done the unthinkable. He has slayed the giant. He has. He has slammed the giant. He has hit the leg drop. He has pinned the undefeatable man. Andre Giant WrestleMania, the true passing of the torch. What a moment in wrestling history, Dan. And Hogan ho- holds his championship belt high, and he deserves to. I, I, but what can you say about that iconic moment? You can't. There is nothing you can say. I mean, you know, if you've not seen it, you have to see it. Exactly. I mean, you can have a go at the match quality. Oh, yeah, it wasn't that good. But it told a story of the giant worker, Dan Hogan. And Hogan managing to, to not only have the heart and determination to fight out of it, managing to do what he said as well. Be 100% behind a wrestler. Is it Vincent Mann's fault for not keeping up the times by trying to do the same thing as well? Yes, you need a strong baby face. But like a Steve Austin, even though him and Hogan were, were you know, the same type of thing, they were completely different, weren't they? You know, Hogan was a pure, 100% American-made baby face where he told people to you know, take the vitamins, say their prayers. As is John Cena, exactly. but just a later day version, whereas Austin was himself. So you need a wrestler he was to like just be themselves. A CM character. Punk type could yeah. have been the perfect example of that, but instead they go to the Roman Reigns, John Cena thing. That's Vince McMahon's problem. Hogan was you know, the guy who made WF such a big stage, and it was such a big thing. Credit goes to Andre the Giants, and only so much pain there to take the slam, leg drop, and the, the, the defeat as well. But this is this is Hogan's moment in time, you know. Mate, no uh, bones about it. Uh, WrestleMania is WrestleMania three. The reason we watch it as well is it is the most one of the most iconic WrestleManias in its time. Like you say, every year you see a clip, you'll be told about the Steamboat Macho Man match, and you'll see a clip of them facing off, and then the slam as well by Hogan. Most definitely. I yeah. mean, it's been for me. I've really enjoyed it. We'll get your thoughts first. Uh, WrestleMania three. Talk about the whole, what is your, what do you think of the main event first and foremost? Uh, I thought the main event, you know, despite the match, the wrestling quality, it was a brilliant match. It told exactly the story it needed to do, you know, and for this time, what Hogan done, he done the unthinkable and, you know, where kayfabe was still a big thing in this time and era, you know, it meant a lot more as well. Um, And again, it's paved the way for what wrestlers have done, you know, up until this current point. Yeah. You know, Hogan is still a big influence on many wrestlers. And, you know, 
this performance shows why. Yeah, I mean, what it reminds me of a little bit is like a... I don't know why I'm referencing it for, but like a night of the round table. Now, stick with me for this. It's like you hear legends, uh, the story of the legends that they go through with battles. And this one was kind of set in stone, and you can actually see the point in time where he fought one of the biggest victories in life and won. And it's kind of what Hogan legend is all about. When you talk about Hulkamania, this is one of those moments that's associated with it. You know, and throughout Hogan's Hulkamania 3, is probably one of the best moments because you've got the kind of the, the big attendance there, the huge arena. It is. These two men. A lot of iconic moments throughout yeah. the card. Well, talk about the card, Dan. Uh, what did you think of the card in general? In general. And what was your favourite match of the card? I think it's got to be the Savage Steamboat collaboration. You know, it, it had everything you look for in a match. There was a few, you know, surprising matches. Rowdy Piper looked brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Kicked yeah, yeah. ass big time. You know, you saw a very early Bret Hart. He didn't have much of an impact in the match. You know, it was a fairly quiet match. Yeah, but it was, great, them, but it was great to see the Bulldogs, Hart Foundation there. You know, exactly, and to yeah. know what they'd go on to do. Hogan, again, you know, he'd go on to main event the next six WrestleManias from here. You yeah. know, eventually passing the mantle to Bret, who's, you know, a very low part on this card, you know, in a quite a quiet match. You know, you had the gimmick type matches with Hillbilly Jim and against King Kong Bundy and their harem of yeah, midgets yeah, yeah. about them. The Hill won. The face would always <laughs> get some retribution yeah, yeah, yeah. by beating them up after the match. You know, and at this point, WrestleMania was used, right, that is, you know, this all yeah. of feuds. And you, you try and get all the wrestlers that you could on the card as well. I think that's why there were so many matches, even though they were short in duration, I think, to get the talent on there. And I think they're harmless as well. Like I said, they were over before we could have a real problem with it. Do you know what I mean? There was no 15-minute stinkers, you know. I think the whole card as a whole, when you you watch it, I think it is really enjoyable. I've really enjoyed WrestleMania 3, going back, and there's a couple of WrestleManias like that, uh, 7 and 22 in particular. You watch, fucking hell, even though there's no, like, with this one, obviously, standout matches, but the card is quite enjoyable in itself. But I think it's great we can go back and watch WrestleMania 3, like I say, 30 years ago now. An unbelievable ending we see Hogan or Andre. If you were going to rate it, modern day ratings as we do pay-per-views, what would you rank it out of 10? Well, I'm giving it a 9 because I think, I mean, not only, like you say, the Steamboat, Match of Man Sandy, but never had a match at that, at that time. You know, out of 10, I'll give this pay-per-view a very good 8. Yeah. You know, if a great pay-per-view, there was a handful of matches out there, you know, Four out of about twelve matches. Yeah, but there was no, there was no horrible matches. Were no, there, there I was mean, no you know. painful matches of terrible, terrible wrestling. You know, botch moves and yeah. things like that. It was very well planned and thought out. Matches of this caliber and quality, they should, they you know, they are best kept in ten minute most yeah, matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, any bit longer, these matches would have been a, a bit of a bit of a drop. You know, a bit of a hard work. But I think it's brilliant, and we go back. I watched the, we see the, the ending of it, Jesse Ventura and, and Grilla Monsoon wrapping things up. We see the highlights. One last thing to say, the WF generated 1.6 million in ticket sales for this and almost 1 million fans watched the event at 160 closed circuit locations in North America. The number of people watching via pay-per-view was estimated as several million and pay-per-view estimate were estimated as 10 million. So you wouldn't really get a hit like this on pay-per-view 
up until, well, you, you know, WrestleMania 4, 5, and 6 did quite well, but you have to go to WrestleMania 22, uh, 23 or 24 to finally get those numbers again, you know? Yeah. Because WrestleMania did switch for a time where it went from big arenas like this, or stadiums like this, to arenas. I think WrestleMania works for the stadium. I think we can all agree with that now, can't we, you know? Uh, and I, I think it, WrestleMania 3 worked perfectly. You can follow us numerous ways. We're on Twitter. At WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also on Facebook. Facebook, you can come and find our page and give us a like. We have the WWE Network Review. Uh, share your thoughts, anything on there, really. Uh, you can find our latest podcast or you can add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Across all the Google platforms, Google Plus, the WWE Network Review. You can send us our podcast at gmail.com and of course, YouTube as well. There's numerous ways you can listen to us. We're on SoundCloud. On your phone. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. You can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is everything. I have been James Rollins, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. 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 <laughs>